guys, welcome back to Resistance Chicks. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. It's a Sunday. I thought you were doing that because there's so you got snow <clears throat> going. I'm wait. So what happens is I don't know what the, the deal is with the system, and I say uh. this every time, and I'm sorry. It's I, I don't like technological bugs, and I can't get this one fixed. So when we come in. There's a little bit of lag in mm -hmm. the audio. So I have okay. to wait and I'll watch all these things go. <clears throat> and when they get there, then I can speak. Does that make any okay. sense? Yeah. It's Sunday, which means we're going to go all around the world all with the, the top world. world news stories for you guys. Now, Pope Benedict, what is wrong with you today? So I put on one necklace and I thought I could add time to take off the other necklace. And now they're just all discombobulated. Let me help you. <laughs> I know which you got a new one for Christmas. Yeah, and so and you wanted to wear the Christmas one, and now it's all just a mess. Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of this one, without okay. Okay. losing. Wait, ow! There goes my hair. Nope. Okay, thanks. Y'all come for the realness. This would never happen on Fox News. You come for the realness of resistance. No, they chicks. would go to break. We don't <laughs> ever go to break. I was just literally thinking about that upstairs. I was like, Michelle, you need to put some commercials in so we could go to break. You know, so I was thinking about like making that. custom commercials. So we you know, like Joy and like, Matt did. Like we go live for like three hours. There's no break. There's there's nothing. Like there's no like even Alex Jones gets breaks. He does. So sometimes you just got. You know what I'll do? Need a break. I, I will need, like, put, I will make things. the video big. And well, that on usually main that's been messing things up lately. Know, but it so should do your that. Your hair looks really good today. Oh. Look how good Leah's hair looks. Uh, thank you, Lorraine says hi, girls. It makes perfect sense, Michelle. Exactly. Okay, so Pope Benedict has passed away. He died on Christmas Eve. Yeah, the X V one fourteenth. So 16th. no, no, no. It's the sixteenth. It's X. Sorry. It's V X I. It's XVI. XVI, thank you. X, listen, Roman numeral expert. Okay. You didn't get it right the first time either. It's X. I'll be like, do that, do that, do that. XVI. Pope Benedict's in the sky. Ba, ba, ba. What do you think? He was coming after the child's sex issues. We're going to cover both sides of that today. Okay, actually. so we are going to get into that. Now, what is with this Prince Harry losing the coronation thing? Oh! No, 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 no. That, that's, that's just the picture I gave you. Oh. Uh, Prince Harry has a new book out. This is bad, though. Like, he has lost his ever-loving mind. mind. And here's the thing. Can we make that a, a consistent thing? Let's make that a, a resistance chicks okay. thing. Okay. I, I'm saying I want to make it a... Mind. No, with the accent. That was really fun. Okay. So... If they didn't do their, their Oprah Winfrey, I know you guys like them. I'm done with this. Well, guess what? The world isn't, and, and it's world news. This is our world news show. It's hilarious to me. I'm going to so restart my phone. It's actually, I'm doing this because it's a, it's a, it's one of those stories that actually makes me laugh. <laughs> okay. So you got Prince Harry over here. He's the, the second brother. He's the throwaway brother, you know, I and honestly, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, but because, because his brother had sons. Now it's like all over for Prince Harry. He was, you know, he was in line for the throne, but then his brother lived. Then so. his brother had to and go and have kids. Yeah, Jeez. two sons. Oh, my God. And then now it's over. Um, and so he, he did this interview with Oprah, and the, the, the uh, royalty is racist and all these crazy things, and his wife had mental breakdowns and all these different fights. And Kate and William are over there not saying anything, not saying anything. They're still not saying anything. 
I've got an idea. Let's just be then quiet they do this and let them go down in a Netflix series and they throw the, you know, royalty again under the bus. And that wasn't enough for them. They keep trying to be relevant. And in this or just shocking. book, shocking. he comes out. Yeah, well, shocking means relevant. Okay. Okay, so just in the news. Gotcha. They have become the Kardashians mm. of royalty. Okay. But they're not royal anymore. Well, they, gave they that are. Up. His name is Prince Harry, so he's royal. He has given up his H H and R's. H and R's. He's, he's still part of the royal family. So in this book, there are details that I'm not going to repeat that are well documented. They're on the internet. You can look them up. Some of them are just really stupid. But one that's deeply concerning is during his time during Afghanistan, he tells everybody how many kills he had. And it was like, he said it was like playing a video game. And he doesn't seem to have a lot of remorse for it. So it puts his family in danger because the Taliban. Yeah. Taliban tweets back now. No. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Okay, the Taliban. This is, that's why it's hilarious to me. The Taliban tweets back. My favorite story that's hilarious is supposedly William was trying to help Harry and they got in a fight. Oh, no. Like and knock down, drag out, fist fight, kind of like little brothers. William pushed him down in, and broke the dog bowl and tore his necklace off. And he had to see his therapist after that. It just got real. You breaking the dog bowl now. And he had to see his therapist. After. The guy who had 25 kills in Afghanistan. I got his brother my therapist. My brother pushed me into the dog bowl. And he fell into the dog bowl and broke, broke his my necklace. necklace. My necklace. Probably broke. given to me by Oprah. Okay. And, and so that was in there. It's all, it's all hilarious. It, it's all When was sad. this fight? The fight was in the book. I want to know when the fight happened. It was over Meghan Markle. I'm sure it was. It's all over Meghan. And then he over also goes girl, on to say that he has used cocaine. He's a cocaine user and a regular marijuana user. He is a cocaine user? He was a cocaine. He used cocaine. He has used cocaine. And magic mushrooms. And the magic mushrooms and psychedelics have taken him down some really great paths. Great paths? Yeah. Yeah. And Megan me, went to uh, his mother's grave, Diana's grave, put her hands on the grave and asked for her to guide her. Hang on, wait. Yeah. Really? And something about either seals or walruses, she sung to them and they sang back or something. And she has a connection with nature. Just silly stuff. No, but I totally buy her having a connection with seals and walruses. Yeah. Or, 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 or. I, know. I buy that one. Okay. I totally do. All right. So we're also going to go over Ukraine and Russia. Russia uh, has mobilized uh, or is going to mobilize 500,000 conscripts this month, which means a half a million guys who don't want to be in the army and don't want to die and don't want to fight are going to be forced to. Ukraine. It's pretty ugly. Zelensky, after Ken McCarthy was voted in Speaker of the House, congratulated him. Looking forward to working with you. No, uh Looking forward to working. Well, he said something like that. That's not verbatim, but no, I, no. I'm looking forward to you giving you me lots of money. Yeah, lots of money. Lots, lots, lots money. Lots of money. We have a German doctor who is uh, getting two years in jail for illegally writing thousands of mask man mask uh, exemptions. Huh? He's going to jail, like prison behind bars, for supposedly writing illegal mask exemptions. And I would say everybody deserves a mask exemption, and how can they be illegal? That's it. Yeah, exactly. 
But I am gonna. We are gonna cover Pope Benedict. Benedict. We're gonna get to him in a little bit. Let's go over some of these other stories that you may have missed this week, because we do a weekly roundup of all around the world. A doctor in Berlin, Germany, was sentenced to two years in jail for supposedly illegally writing over 4,000 exemptions from wearing face masks during the COVID-19 pandemic. In addition to the prison sentence, a regional court in the southwestern town of Weinheim handed him a three-year work ban and a $29,000 fine, the amount she received for issuing the certificates. Her office assistant was fined about 2,700 euros. During the how, how long is this show going to be? I just opened up the tabs, man. There's like 500. It's going to be great. According to the court, the doctor Buckle was up. convicted of issuing incorrect health certificates to people in Germany, most of whom she had never met or examined. The process is more reminiscent of a sale of certificates than a medical procedure, said the court. During the trial, the defendant had argued that wearing masks was harmful to people's health. The doctor's lawyer intends to appeal the verdict, and Germany ended its mask mandates in indoor settings last year. I am happy that there are people who are fighting against these totalitarian measures. Yeah. And no, you shouldn't need to see a doctor to get an exemption for wearing a mask. It's my face. I have the right to have my face exposed, and I have the right to breathe in air. Yeah, you do. You do. This is a worldwide God-given right. And if it ever becomes not a right, then it's not right. Not right. Speaking of not being right, I don't think that foreigners should come into our country, especially Chinese foreigners. But I don't think anybody foreigners should be able to buy property, especially large swaths of property in, in our country. Canada has actually banned most foreigners from buying property, residential property. The Canadian government has implemented a temporary ban on foreigners buying residential property for two years. They have a housing crisis, by the way. Well, hang on a minute, though. Like, I'm all for you on and on, on kind of a ban of foreigners owning property. However, I actually, like, <clears throat> residential property, if they have to live there, if they have the right to live there, right? Like, let's say they have a visa or whatever, then own a house, fine, own property. The issues that I have are with China coming in and buying massive swaths of land. So what good is this going to do? Mm. Like the individual that wants to buy an eighth of an acre with a house on it so versus Canada, or excuse me, China buying like What they're saying is the desirability of, of Canadian homes is attracting profiteers like they do in Scotland. Okay. So Scottish land is by and large owned by... People who don't live there. So they buy it and then they rent it? Wealthy corporations and foreign investors. Okay, that makes sense. This is the uh, this is leading to a real problem of underuse and vacant housing, rampant speculation, and skyrocketing prices because the prices are going up. Then you have foreign investors with all these fake fiat dollars going yeah. in. Where can I put my money? Where can I put my money? That's When you have sound money like gold and silver, you don't have these profiteers yeah. who just are, well, I've got so much money, I might as well put it over here for a little bit. No, you every dime is accounted so for. so many digital dollars and extra zeros in my bank account. Right. That's what that means. Right. All right. Here we go. The return of the prince, Harry's, actu Harry's U.S. visa is actually at risk over his admission of California drug abuse. Very interesting here. Woke Royal Harry, Duke of Sussex, has put his U.S. visa at risk by admitting to drug abuse both in his home country and in California, according to an immigration expert. Prince Harry, the fifth in line to the British throne, now most famous as the simpering spouse of the American actress, D-list actress, Meghan Markle. 
properly Megan <laughs> Duchess of Sussex. So is he fifth in line because his dad hasn't been coronated yet? A fifth and then his brother and then his two sons. Yeah. So that would make him four. Unless they're counting Charles who hasn't been He's coronated fifth. yet. Sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, as a result of the courtesy of the title granted her, these admissions included you just tales la, 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 on our show. Yeah. Well, I already, I didn't want to talk about Megan. I'm, I, I have so much time. I only have so much time. Let me do my stories. I'm trying to let you do your show, but could we have a pretend professionalism here? La, 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 la. These admissions <laughs> include tales of not just doing lines of cocaine at the elite Etten College boarding school and smoking <laughs> cannabis both there and as a much older and supposedly responsible adult uh -huh. at the royal residence of Kensington Palace. Mm. But hallucinating on magic mushrooms at a party in California hosted by Courtney Cox in 2016. These people are all insane. All of them. And you wonder how they stay so skinny? It's cocaine. That's it's so tr true though. Because even with um, Johnny Depp and his little chick they had cocaine at their wedding. They had cocaine at their wedding. But that's not, but it's not legal. But they admitted to it in court. That way they fought over it. And he said she wanted it. You know what's so funny? She wanted the cocaine She there. wanted to bring So I said yes, because she really wanted it. I want to get married one day. I, this is a very deep desire of mine since the time I'm a little girl. Growing up not with an alcoholic family, you wonder... Will we serve alcohol at our wedding? Will we not? I have chosen. No, I would never serve alcohol at my wedding. This is a big discussion for a lot of people. But you never start as a little child thinking, do you, honey, do you think we're going to serve cocaine at our wedding? Like alcohol, no alcohol, cocaine, no cocaine. Okay, so while he was under magic mushroom, whatever. Okay. Beside the toilet was a round silver bin, the kind with a foot pedal. To open the bin, I stared at the bin. It stared back. Then it became a head. I stepped on the pedal in the head, opened its mouth, a huge open grin. I laughed, turned away, took a blank. Harry recalled in a classless fashion typical of a memoir. Now the loo, the toilet, became a head too. The bowl was its gaping maw. At the hinges of the seat were its piercing eyes. I said, oh, he added. Ah. The toilet, he was in the bathroom and the toilet came alive. Are you sure he was smoking mushrooms? This isn't just a standard thing for him. I don't know. He would have been asked about drug abuse when applying for the visa. And if he was truthful in his answers, he should have been denied. So have you ever abused drugs? Then you don't get your visa. But if you lie and you say you, you haven't, then you didn't. So he probably should. This is Harry's answer. I did not abuse drugs. The drugs abused me. It's been my whole life. If Everything is abuse against me. Right. I didn't abuse the drugs. The That's drugs good. Me. If the prince was not truthful, he went on. One of the repercussions, whatever visa he has, is that it would be revoked. Or he'll be subject to being revoked because he lied in the application process. To which I say, good riddance. And I know there has been a fight Ta -ta. over who has Kevin. to keep Meghan and Harry. Oh, no one. Uh-uh. This is your responsibility. Yeah. This comes... Harry is the heavier hitter. So, I mean, Megan's like a D-list actress here in the United States, but he's literally a prince. Yeah, you gotta go back. Definitely gotta be the UK's responsibility. I, I can see the people in the UK saying you have more room. And you have bigger, you know, maybe you could hide them away in Area 51 or something. John wants to know, where have you ladies been Facebook keeping me from finding you gals? That is an excellent question. That is an excellent question. I'm, I'm, They've been hiding I'm us under a that. rock. 
It's time now for my diary of the week. And Charles Rex, today's revelation is about pushing and shoving. More siblings have been expelled from the EU since the end of the transition period. More than 2,200. I think that we've gone beyond the point of view. Oh, that is hilarious. The former Joseph Ratzinger said, I'm not letting you be in charge of anything. So that's what happens when you're on Magic Mushrooms. <laughs> it's that so was an audio visual, like an audio I recreation. was giving you a 3D effect of like voices. A 4D effect. There's voices in my head. Yeah, the toilet's coming alive. Yeah, could you bring up this video, please? So those are all the stories you just—if you were some sort of like super brain person—you just got the whole show. You, you got to leave now. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Is this the one you would yes. like to play? Yes. Oh my goodness. All right, so our favorite. Uh, minister over there in the uk calvin robinson he has a show on gb news he went on tucker carlson to discuss this and he is really actually sad for harry and i am too actually okay because he's really messed up well it looks like prince harry and that woman from la that he married are running out of money how do we know that because they're still talking about themselves selling the most boring little details from their boring little lives for more money. So to that end, Prince Harry has just resorted to telling us even more about a dramatic physical altercation he had with his brother, which wasn't actually that dramatic. Quote, he set down the water, called me another name, and then came at me, he says in his new book. Huh? But for some reason, a lot of media outlets in this country are deeply invested in the details of this boring man's boring life. Here's Good Morning America, for example. Now, the quote in this book, where you refer to your brother as your um, beloved brother and arch nemesis. Strong words. What do you mean by that? There has always been this competition between us, weirdly. I think it really plays into always played by the air spare. Oh, so two brothers who had tension between them. Breaking news on Good Morning America. But if you're from Great Britain, and these are the people who are supposedly, technically, the head of state of your country, what do you make of all of this, this embarrassing spectacle? Well, we thought it was time to check in with Father Calvin Robinson, who's an Anglican deacon from that country, who joins us tonight to assess. Father, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, how is this going over in your country? Uh, Tucker, first of all, Happy New Year. Um, how is it going over? I think we're all sick and tired of Harry and Meghan whining and moaning and going on and on. Well, most of us are anyway. You know, at first, when I first saw these headlines, I thought, okay, this is annoying, this is frustrating. They're being disparaging about the monarchy again, which of course is family to them, but to us, it's an institution at the very fabric of our nation. But I'm past frustration. I actually feel sorry for Harry now. He's using really juvenile language. He's, he's he seems quite immature, to be honest. He's, I don't know any other grown man that talks about their private parts as their todger. You know, he talks about mounting a woman. Uh, and it's, it's the kind of conversation I expect to hear in a primary school. Just in that clip you just showed, he talks about his brother as his arch nemesis. How many adults have an arch nemesis? It, I, he seems to live in a fantasy world. You know, in the excerpts, we saw that... Um, Megan was singing to seals and Harry said she's magical because the seals sang back I'm like this this these people are delusional this is not good they need to seek help they need to stop talking to the press stop airing their dirty laundry and actually get some professional medical help I, I wonder I mean 
you're a, obviously a man of the cloth. It, what does it do to your soul if you never stop talking about yourself? Exactly. It's, it's the inner narcissism. It's not good. It eats away at you. And it's not just talking about yourself. It's the fact that they don't seem to take any agency for themselves either. There's no personal responsibility. You know, in a few of these excerpts, we've seen that Harry says, oh, actually, it was Will and Kate who made me wear that Nazi uniform. And you're thinking, you're a, again, you're a grown adult. You don't have to wear a Nazi uniform to a fancy dress party if you don't find it funny. You clearly chose to do so. Don't blame everyone else. And the same, you know, he, he goes on to say that he had this altercation with his brother. And this is a trained army serviceman who's saying, I had a fight with my brother. I had to go seek therapy for that. It's like, first of all, you are uh, a killer. You're talking about how many people you've killed in service, which of course is uncouth. No one talks about how many That's people right. they killed in service. But then on the other hand of the argument, you're saying, oh, I had an argument with my brother and I had to go and get therapy about it. None of it seems to add up. It's not balanced. He does need prayer. I think he needs all of our prayer. They both do. And they need something more professional too. Yeah. I mean, no, I think, and I, you make a fair point that no one can make you wear a Nazi uniform to a dinner party. You did that. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Father Calvin Robinson. It is unbelievable. <laughs> and it's unbelievably sad. I think I've got, this is Ben McBean, Royal Marine veteran, who's basically, a, he's a friend of his. And he says, I just thought you went to America to get away from all this. And you're a guy who's had too many drinks. You need to step away. The story, like, massively, but just looking just in general, just I just looked at it and just thought, what is he doing? Like, it's like if, if, um, if you're getting drunk, like, stupidly drunk, if you've got good friends around you, they'll stop you and say, that's your last drink because you're getting a bit too... And if you haven't got good friends around you, they might let you carry on knowing what, what route you're going down. Now, the people around him, if they're American, his entourage, let's say, they don't care about the royal family or his future and link with them, that his relationship... Forget royal, it's just family to him. So if, if they can make money from it, they're not thinking, shall we release this story and how does it affect him? They're just saying, we're all getting paid to just release this, release that. Have you got any more stories, Harry? And he's bringing up other things. I, I thought that he left the UK because his family were a bit toxic. That's what he said. Then he went to America and he, he exposed them on Netflix and said, this is my side of the story, got paid for it. Go and enjoy your life over here in America. I don't understand why he keeps looking back and trying to just go and enjoy life over here. Yeah. So that's why today when I saw the papers, his face everywhere, <coughs> watching the petrol station, his face everywhere, and I just thought, just go and enjoy your life over there, man. Just chill out. Get, you've yeah. got your money. Just relax. Just stop coming back here. And if you want to come back and say your piece, just come back to the UK and settle it. Or if you can't settle it because your family's that toxic, just don't speak to them again. Simple yeah. as that. Do you think it is about money? I think now it must be. Not for him because he's got loads of money. Um, and made even more with the Netflix, but it must be people around him who think, well, if he if he got ten more stories in him that we don't know about, or the people don't know about, and that's ten more massive checks, and they get their little percentage, why not keep saying if you've got anything else to say, if you've got anything else to say, and he can just keep revealing it. He might they might get Megan to write a book about what it was like when she what, what was the weather like in the UK, and she might make ten <laughs> mil off of that. It could be anything. So I doubt it's like their idea all the time. I reckon they just got people around them saying this they're a money making machine, and they're just using them. Some people would say that Meghan is one of the people who's leading Prince Harry astray. I mean, would Possibly. You agree? I mean, Harry probably had some things he wanted to say beforehand, but wouldn't have done it alone. And Meghan may have encouraged him and given the confidence to say his piece. Now, I do agree that it was ni not nice to hear, but it, it was good right to say like how he felt about why he left the UK. 
and I felt that was good that he said it. Whether you believe it or not, different story, but I, th I felt that was good that he said that. Um, but now he said his piece, like, go and live your life then. I don't understand why he keeps coming back for round two, three, four, yeah. five. I just think if you've got a chance to go and be happy, which is, I thought that's why he left, to protect his family, just go and do that. What he's... It's, well it's very interesting, but it's not about obviously going to go do your do your piece, okay? This is very interesting because he revealed his kill count, which is not a really good way to put things, and most people in the military are saying that it's Those of revelations in his new memoir have come under intense criticism, most notably the account of his time in Afghanistan as an Apache helicopter pilot. The prince has come under attack after he revealed his kill count, leading to condemnation from Taliban leaders. Of all his tell-alls, it is by far the most explosive, but it may yet prove most damaging to the author himself. The claims these pages contain already provoking a backlash. It is the revelations about Prince Harry's military career that are attracting the sharpest criticism, his admission that he killed 25 Taliban fighters, breaking an unspoken code of combat. You could kill 100,000 people, but you just wouldn't say anything about it. Ben McBean served in Afghanistan at the same time as Prince Harry and counts him as a friend, but this time thinks he's gone too far. He's a good guy and he's done so much for the country and at the minute it's all been overshadowed by him revealing this and revealing that. And it was just like, just stop because at the, you know, we think you're a good guy. Here's him falling off the edge kind of thing and he's getting close to that. His words have also somehow allowed the Taliban to claim the moral high ground, with a senior figure denouncing the prince's comments about not viewing those he killed as people, tweeting, Mr. Harry, the ones you killed were not chess pieces, they were humans. They had families who were waiting for their return. The loss of his mother understandably looms large in the book, but even on that topic, he seems to be alienating would-be allies. So I just felt like that was really interesting that you've got you can go back to the main screen here that you've got this 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 narcissist in this world that we live in where every it's it kind of is like he's just doing things the way everybody else does things now you know i'm not i'm not saying he's not a narcissist but is it narcissism with harry or is it narcissism mostly from Megan uh -huh. who is trying to push her husband out? It's almost like, no, it's not almost like, she, it seems to me mm -hmm. that she hates Harry. She yeah. hates her husband. She hates his family. And she is setting out to destroy him mm -hmm. and to destroy his family. Yeah. Because no loving wife would allow that book to come out. And I believe she was actually behind it because this is this makes Harry look so bad and right. might destroy his chances for him to stay here in the US. I don't think that's actually yeah. going to happen, but it's it's possible. Mm -hmm. No, I think you're right and it's satanic. From the, what what we're seeing in this book, I believe that you are seeing if if Megan isn't as stupid as him, then she is using him, She's knowing that he is not conniving. He's just not smart.
Yeah. Like he literally is Too many not mushrooms. smart. When you use drugs like that, um, I, I feel like he's lost some brain cells and in losing these brain cells, it's, it's embarrassing for the whole world, the whole world to, <clears throat> to watch. And I do believe it is. I think now more than ever, I realize that she is using him and his, not just using him though, mm -hmm. using him. Yes. But it's like getting a thing just to, de to, to destroy it. Why do people mm -hmm. murder people? Why do people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Why do you end Why does someone end, take someone else's life? Right. What's, is, is it anger? Is it passion? Or do some people that are psychotic just do it for the thrill of it? I think she's doing this for the thrill of it. Yeah, well, that's true. It could, it could be true. Yeah, Meat I and think. livestock people. Oh, They've done oh, it again oh, with their life. I, just can't, I have to scroll over them, don't I, to bring them up? All right. Okay, go ahead and play that one. Uh, this commentator said that this is the most serious fallout since um, his grandmother's Passing? father. No, since oh. his no, since his grand grandmother's father and brother had oh, okay. their you know issues, oh, and he had to resign. How staying silent is ever going to make things better? He hasn't stayed silent, and he hasn't made things better. According to Grant Harold, the King's erstwhile butler who watched the brothers growing up, things are now irreparably worse. Royal brothers um, attack each other is something from the medieval times, not in the 21st century of a modern royal family. So it's, it's serious. It's, and I think that's what people don't really get is I think this is one of the most serious things to hit the royal family in, in centuries. More serious, he says, than the abdication back in 1936 that also saw two brothers pitted against each other, one going into exile over an American divorcee. Back then, public opinion was divided. Now, they're divided and angry. Trashing the monarchy, and that's trashing the queen. For all the shouting, at the heart, two brothers whose relationship is likely to never recover. Wouldn't your brother say to you, Harry, how could you do this to me? After everything, after everything we went through, wouldn't that be what he would say? He'd probably say all sorts of different things. Things we'll probably never hear. Unlike Harry, whose salacious secrets are spilling out onto acres of newsprint, hours of footage that will be there to be viewed until the end of time. Everything from jealousies, physical rage, tawdry tales of sexual encounters in a field behind a pub, to intimate details of our future king's genitalia. The accusation will be, here are you invading the privacy of your most nearest and dearest without permission. That'll be the accusation. That'll be the accusation from the people that don't understand or don't want to believe that my family have been briefing the press. Tonight's press briefing with ITN's Tom Bradby is Prince Harry's latest plea for understanding. An understanding that, with every salacious twist and turn, looks less likely to come. But how did it come to this? As with any family, I looked after the whole family and I knew, knew them as well as I knew my closest friends. Um, and they were both two fantastic guys. They were, very, they were very close, they were best friends. Which is why all of this just seems so strange and sad to me, because it's, it's not how I remember it, and of course that was 10 years ago, but it's not at all how I remember them at all. So it's, it's, it's really sad to see this all go so badly wrong. 
Many now believe the king must act and act fast. I, if you'd asked me that a week ago, I'd have said no. Uh, now, I, do I think we should be straight to the titles? It's, it's, it's difficult to say because there's a lot of serious, I know there's going to be some serious things that are going to come out of this and time will tell. It's going to be, it's going to be very interesting a couple of weeks, I think, coming up. It's Shakespearean in its scale, in its betrayal, in its seismic consequences. No one knows how this tale will end, but few believe in all's well that ends well. In Shakespeare, the greatest tragedy of all comes in the final act, and we're a long way from that. Do you still believe in the monarchy? Yes. Okay. You know, I, okay. So I have, I have my own comments on this. I think that the comparison of how royal brothers have always pitted against each other. It uh, goes back to the other. Bible, yeah. actually. Yeah. You can't really read a Bible story about the kings without seeing um, that sort of familial uh, rage Jealousy. that would allow you to even kill yeah. you know, over mm -hmm. these kinds of things. I would say, since we're going to pull the Bible into this, what we're looking at is a classic case of everything that Solomon warned of through Proverbs, look out for these wily women, uh, they'll take you down the wrong path. I don't think that Harry of his own volition would have gone this way. I think that- But what you're seeing is a kid who's been messed up for a long time. Yeah. <clears throat> He's admitting that he had, before he met Megan, he was doing marijuana. He was, right. He was, he was at a, a Hollywood party doing, uh, you know, what is she, is she doing cocaine at these Hollywood parties? Or what, was this before Megan? In 2016, I don't know. And so there's a lot. So what I was thinking, the monarchy is messed up. Your institution is completely done. Mm. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I, I actually would prefer you guys to go back to the days of Oliver Cromwell. You guys <laughs> love that guy. Yeah, he's so great. Okay. Then you bring in, bring back in Charles II, and the monarchy continues, and the corruption continues. You know, get rid of the House of Lords, people who just run your country and have a place and, and a word to say simply because they're born right into a certain family. But when you're looking at the the monarchy right now, yeah, and I know that we did a really good episode, I believe, fair episode on Queen Elizabeth, who on the outward appearance was the head of the church, supposedly at least in principle, put forth Christian principles and things are falling apart because you can't have Christianity in principle only. Really it good. must be in practice. Mm. And you have Diana over here coming into this Royal family as an innocent girl who saved herself for marriage for her prince. And we all here in America have watched some sort of documentary on Princess Diana yeah. where she says he made fun of her, told her she was she was gaining weight, which she became bulimic. Right. Because he was so nasty to her about gaining a few pounds. He was nasty to her, she says, because she was uh, saving herself for marriage. She didn't know how to do all those other things that Camilla knew how to do. Okay, because they're not natural. And so she was really, her innocence was stolen 
and her innocence and her basic goodness was ruined by Charles, not by the monarchy, right? but by Charles. And why was Charles so ruined? And should his brother have been king? And here's another question. So Charles' brother, or I'm not sorry, um, Queen Elizabeth's Queen father. Elizabeth's uh, uncle mm-hmm. had to abdicate abdicate his throne. I'm trying not to say ums, by the way. I'm, that, I'm doing my long pauses. Oh, that's good. I know. Had to abdicate his throne because he was marrying a divorcee. Right. Well, Charles himself is divorced. Right. And not only that, is Camilla divorced? And they had an affair that is well known. Charles is a disgusting, morally abhorrent person. Right. And that cannot stand. <clears throat> and your country cannot be blessed. Yeah. Even if Queen Elizabeth tried to hold the monarchy together, maybe she was upright. Maybe she was moral. She seemed to be faithful to her husband and her husband seemed to be faithful to her. Is that the only measure of morality? But okay. It is one measure of morality. Okay. When the bar is pretty low. When her her son Andrew is the most notable Epstein client Mm -hmm. with the picture with the uh, picture with the girl. you, you You all know her name. So you've got Andrew, a pedophile. Charles, just a horrible, awful human being, an adulterer. You've got now the sins of the fathers on the children to where Harry's a mess. What we see is that we see a kid who is, we thought it was just kind of for money. He's not well. Like, he's not mentally sound. And it's probably a lot of it's drugs, manipulation, growing up without a mother, a lot of these things. Okay. And so is this the end of the monarchy? I don't think you're going to continue to see a strong monarchy. Cause one of the things that queen Elizabeth for her, to her credit, she held a face of morality. She held a face of religion. She held a face of Christianity. So when it came time for Christmas, she was talking about the birth of our savior, Jesus Christ. And it sounded believable. Okay. She didn't, but I think also there's that properness, that yeah. kind of um, reverence for the monarchy that is not going to be there anymore. And yeah. I, I, I don't think it's strong enough to stand without that. I think it, it, it's yeah. a requirement. Yeah. In order for the monarchy to exist, right. it's going to have to have that. And I just don't think, it's, I don't think it's there. Let me read a couple of comments here from DLive from Barry, who is uh, over there in the UK. Britain needs to revert back to its pagan roots, which is the was the original religion in in Britain and in Europe. Michelle, both the Spencer, Diana's family, and the royal family have mental issues going back for centuries. The Spencers are also related to the royals from Queen uh, Vic, from the Queen Vicky reign. Uh, he says King George made the same mistake with his American actress divorcee wife. It's 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 almost like he's a, his his um, he's reliving. You know, I would say Barry, you are going back to your pagan roots. Yeah. You, and the, what you see with the trans ideology and what you see with the far left ideology, that is a pagan root. Those are people who have left Christianity. Those are people, everybody who's left Christianity, the most sane people in your country are those who are hanging on to Christian principles. 
you don't have sane people in your country who are hanging, who are not hanging in on leadership in, in, yeah, in leadership who are not hanging on to Christian principles. Right. You know, you see father, um, uh, what's, what's the guy Calvin. Saw, Calvin, he is the, probably one of the most sane, well-rounded vocal conservatives I've seen in come out of all of Great Britain. But he's and, in the Anglican church, which well, I find no. is really interesting. No, what's interesting about him is that he's actually kind of rogue that they have pushed him out. That's right. That's true. He, they have pushed him kind out. Of like a Martin Luther. So the current Anglican church has gone woke. Mm -hmm. There's a story of a guy who Colin talks about. He was He's an Anglican minister, priest, whatever you call them over there. And, his, and he had to come out and tell his wife and kids that he's really non-binary. He wants to dress as a girl and Jesus loves glitter eyeshadow. Yeah. And the church over there has embraced him. Yeah. And I would encourage you, Barry, if you would, and everybody in the UK to watch our series on Christian nationalism. Please, I beg of you to watch our series on William Penn, who is, who is British, who is a Christian nationalist. Watch our series. Uh, did we do John Locke yet? I think so. Maybe not. I don't know. So you've that got one of the first ones we did. Algernon Sydney. Yeah, we did. Um, who else did we do? There's a you, right there in the 1600s with Oliver Cromwell. You had a group of amazing minds, and you wouldn't have had William and Mary. Without true Christianity, people who truly believe that Jesus Christ was King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who sought God for your nation. So let me interrupt you there, Leah. On... So I was going to just finish my thought there. Okay, good. So John Locke, William Penn, Algernon Sidney, Oliver Cromwell, all these guys right there in the 1600s, they were basically the foundation builders of what would become America later. And why were they the foundation builders? Because God put inside of them yeah. the, the laws of nature and nature's God. They began to understand. And why was that? The pilgrims, Barry, were Christians. Okay, we wouldn't have America without this band of pilgrims who truly believed that Jesus was King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it was in that knowing that he was King of Kings and Lord of Lords that Jesus comes in and he changes how you act. I he changes how you what Barry's think. getting at is he says, Michelle, the church has fallen apart here because of massive scandals and brutality and pedophilic tendencies as well as stealing yeah, children. So I think, Barry, exist if, I may, if, if, if I may, I think what you're saying the is church as getting back to the pagan roots, you're saying just get rid of the religion because it's not doing any good either. Right. So you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. It's Christianity that made Britain great. And it was actually, you would never have outlawed slavery, but for Christianity. Right. Because Absolutely. William Wilberforce was going to enter into the ministry as a Christian. And he was encouraged to go into parliament. And you guys outlawed slavery a hundred years before we did because of your, because people back then they had a true Christian conversion and God changed their hearts and they saw uh, black people as a their fellow uh, man, fellow mankind. So, so now what, what we could do is roll that that statement into covering Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch's family and all of that only because amazing grace and, and we'll get into that in a second. But I, I want to someone in the Facebook chat was talking about you know, I don't really care about the royals. Why are you talking about this? I believe that 
Megan and Harry are actually part of, I don't want to say the divine hand of God and the downfall of what's going on in the UK and all of that and bringing things to, to light, but things are about to fall apart. Not just here in America, if the but monarchy in the UK. falls, that's so this a good is story. It is part of the news, and as we're we're covering this because it's relevant to where we're headed, uh, where the UK is is headed. I truly believe. Uh, so that's that's Chris, one of the reasons why we're covering it. But also, how I'm making the connection to William Wilberforce that Leah just talked about, and Benedict Cumberbatch and his family being sued for being slave owners mm-hmm. is Benedict Cumberbatch played. Um, what's his name? I don't know his name. Uh, in, in amazing grace, which talked about outlaw, not talked about, which portrayed how slavery was outlawed mm-hmm. in the UK. Yeah. And it's one of my absolute hands down favorite films of all time. It's called Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. But um, just look it up really quick. What what are I will really quick. What uh, who is it that he plays in Amazing Grace? Well, we're gonna cover Benedict Cumberbatch because he's an actor. And you guys know him probably from Sherlock Holmes. Well, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Well, that's a TV show. And then he was in the Avengers. As what that sorcerer guy. Yep. But he also played in Amazing Grace. But Barbados is coming after the Cumberbatch family for reparations. Because they had slaves on Barbados and they still have land there. Right. And I don't know. I am trying to find in the tabs over there. It's just kind of a little video. Mm -hmm. If you could find it. It will actually bring it up in the video. His name is William Pitt. Yes. So I don't know if I if the video is up in my tabs of Benedict uh, Cumberbatch and Barbados. It would be over to the right, I think. Is is it's a YouTube? Yeah. I think it might have been closed out somehow. Well, then in we'll opening pull them it back all up, up again. We'll find it. I'll just pull up YouTube again. All right. So this is kind of funny to me. The Caribbean country of Barbados is considering demanding reparations from the descendants of former plantation owners. And Benedict Cumberbatch's fam- family is a former plantation you owner. You are not logged into the same thing. Hang I on. am, though. And all of the other videos There it play. is. Okay, there it is. There it is. That's Vagano. Do you see it here anywhere? No, I didn't. I don't see it. You can probably Google it, Benedict Cumberbatch Barbados, and okay. just put it in a YouTube, YouTube search. It's got to be here if you want. They're not all it. coming up. They're not all coming up. Okay. And neither is my National Review article. Is this article. one? Leah, right here. Yeah. All right. We found it. La, la, la. 700 for Eliza? Right, here we go. So they're going to play a clip of Benedict Cumberbatch in Amazing Grace because the hypocrisy here feels uh, very strong. My fairest price? Accept a note. Please, of course, sir, from you, Mr. Do not Paul. divide my family. Do not take me unless you take my children. Liza, quiet! Actor Benedict Cumberbatch faces a compensation claim over his slave-owning ancestors. His family once ran a plantation with 250 slaves on Barbados, which now wants repar- reparations. 
Cumberbatch's seventh great-granddad bought the land in 1728 and made a fortune from it over the next 100 years. Any descendants of white plantation owners who've benefited from the slave trade should be asked to pay reparations, including the Cumberbatch family. The money should be used to turn the local clinic into hospitals, support local schools, and improve infrastructure and housing. Cumberbatch's ancestors were said to have been paid the equivalent of uh, 6.4 million in today's money in compensation when slavery was abolished. Uh, Cumberbatch has previously admitted that his mother had told him not to use his real name as an actor over concerns for the family's link to slavery. He played a plantation owner in 12 Years a Slave. Well, I'll admit to being impressed, even if you won't. Collect the team and see what good you can do. So, there you go. Um, you know, I, I... Forgive me for chuckling in the middle there. Because I just... The idea of reparations, to me... Did they say his seventh grandfather? Seven. That's when I laughed. I I'm not. La I know. It's your I'm family money. Bring it to me now. If, you, here, if we went back to what if you had family members who were pirates, it could go back. How, where is the delineating line? I mean, how far back does this go? Because for people who have done for family members who have made everybody who's rich now, who's had family wealth, they got it wrongfully. I guarantee you. Thank you. Now, for anyone wondering, sort of if, if, if you are a Christian, all of us can base our ancestries back to Noah. Okay? Everybody in the world. Everybody. So somewhere in there, your family did bad things that other people should be repaid for. Okay? This entire thing is... It's, Here's, here's what you need to know as a Christian. It is not biblical because the sins of the father are not to be passed down to the children. Every person is responsible for their own actions. This idea of reparations, especially seeking it from a specific family. Mm -hmm. Now, normally we think of a countrywide Well, thing. they want all white Anybody but they're seeking it from his family. Because he's famous. Specifically. Because yeah. he's famous. All right. So, the death of Pope Benedict is very interesting. Brick Girl's in the, in the house. Oh, Hello, yay. Hello, um, the, I was, uh, the death of Pope Benedict offers a very interesting kind of view into world, the religious world and the political world, because Pope Francis has put himself smack dab into the midst of the political world. Right. And there are traditional Catholics out there who are very conservative, who do not see Pope Francis as their Pope. And some have said that they had, they saw Benedict as their Pope. Well, actually they really don't have a Pope. It's very interesting for these traditional Catholics. They weren't exactly happy with Pope Benedict because the way that they, the way that he acted was more along the lines of a conservative George Bush mm -hmm. than a Good true comparison. reformer. Sure. And so if you would bring up the War Room, Bannon's War Room, episode 227, um, and I want you to go to the last seven minutes. 
Um, well, you can just play that one. You can play either one. Um, Steve Bannon has on a correspondent who is a Catholic. His name is Hornwell, and he's really good. And he kind of breaks down some of the views on Pope Benedict. No volume. On Capitol Hill, that we haven't gone to the seven hills of Rome uh, for this uh, event that took place this week. Put it in perspective exactly what, uh, tell us uh, what happened this week. Why is it important? And particularly for Christians going forward in that element of Christianity that's Catholic, why what happened this week is important? Well, um, we had on the, the 5th of January the burial of the, the, the Bishop of Rome Emeritus, Pope Benedict the 16th. Um, and we've been talking on, on a number of occasions already this week how um, basically a tenth of the people who turned out for Pope John Paul II's funeral 17 years ago turned out for Pope Benedict's. And the question that we were asking is, why has that happened um, on the, in, in the church? Uh, what, what are the currents and what are the dynamics? Um, if I might just interrupt myself, however, today is actually an, an, an anniversary in and of itself. Um, and I'm very glad that you asked me to, to start my, my segment with this when we were talking beforehand. Today is the 150th anniversary, Steve, um, of the birth of the of French poet who, whom you cite all the time, um, Charles Peguy, uh, and his famous quote here, which, which, I know, which I know you like, and that's going to be actually the theme of what I'm going to say in the next few minutes. He said, um, we must always tell what we see above all, and this is more difficult, we must always see what we see. Now, perhaps that doesn't work so well um, in English, that translation, but what he's basically saying is it's not just enough to look, you really have to see um, if, if you want to understand reality. And when you have done that, you then need to communicate it. Now, and, and I understand, Steve, why, why you put that all the time on the wall. It's absolutely essential. Um, and it's the... It's uh, the, it's uh, the uh, ben, 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 hang on for one second. We're going to take a short break. Ben, uh, it's very interesting. You bring in... By the way, the, it's not important just to see. It's important to see what you see. The 150th anniversary of the French poet's birth. Ben, correct me, in the commercial break, you were actually, you're at the Vatican, you were actually noticed by Italians. You're going to be a celebrity. Is this going to, is this going to mean I'm going to have to give you a pay raise? Um, you need to stop. Um, you need to get a larger piggy bank, Steve, to start putting those pennies in if, if I'm going to ask for a pay raise. Um, um, now, that, now that really would be seeing something. Talk about saying what you, that really would be seeing something. Um, warming posse. <laughs> Talking of the warming posse, Steve, um, we have... I just interrupt myself again. We have a very, very special a blessing for a very holy, dedicated um, Christian, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. That's on my feed, on my getter feed. I know you're going to be putting it out on yours a little later. It'll be on the War Room account. Posso and Liz, you have already sent it out. Very, very important um, concentration of what the issues are. It's a New Year's blessing from His Excellency Archbishop Vigano. And, and I would ask anybody to who's listening, who's so minded, look at what he says. And if you know somebody who's feeling a bit depressed in, the, in, in these dark times, send them that message so that they can see it. Um, why? Because we are engaged in the fight for the Judeo-Christian West. This is the important thing, Steve. This is why I'm here at the Vatican um, today. This is why we're talking about the death of Pope Benedict and what that death represents. Um, and it's why we're always talking about the importance of coming together, again here, really important, traditional Catholics and conservative evangelicals working together to try to restore the, the, these pillars that, that, that the haters 
of Western civilization have been rather successfully kicking down over recent decades. So with that said, Steve, I'd just like to talk about the importance of um, Pope Benedict and his death in the progress of the church over the second half of the 20th century. I mentioned it before, I'll just give a quick summary. There was this key ecclesiastical event with all the bishops of the world, they came together between 1962 and 1965. It was called the Second Vatican Council. Uh, now I know that especially mainland, mainline Protestants had their own issues uh, with liberal progressive, pro progressivism inside Christianity. It's a corrosive rot, it destroys the faith. We've also seen this very successfully implemented inside the Second Vatican Council. And what Pope Benedict tried to do was he tried to create a bridge between this, this core modernizing agenda and the traditional Catholic faith. Now, obviously that can't be done. He, in fact, he gave up, he resigned. Um, and with that passing, something very important has changed inside the church, right? What we no longer have, which is the, the situation under John Paul II, which was basically 50% was, let's call it conservative, with, with, with air quotes, conservative conciliarism, which is the idea that the Second Vatican Council can be interpreted correctly, plus about a quarter of the church um, as, as progressive, and I don't know, a little less than a quarter as traditionalist minded. What happened is that 50% that of the church that was before, that, 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 that had a great devotion to John Paul II and later to Pope Benedict, that has gone now. It is no longer sustainable under the current pontificate of Pope Francis to maintain that Second Vatican Council is, is orthodoxable. It, it, you can make it orthodox uh, with the direction of the Holy See. Well, so what we have now is, is the Catholic Church splitting into two currents. Progressivism, which wants a total rupture with, with the past, and traditionalism, which wants to go back to, the, to before the Second Vatican Council. And what we're going to try and do, and this is just basically the opening introduction now of something that's going to be increasingly important to the, to the warm's coverage, is that we're going to build a bridge out, especially, as I say, to the conservative evangelicals, um, because there's a genuine relationship here between traditional Catholics and the evangelicals. The psychopath behind me has, has gone on record saying that he doesn't like conservative Catholics working together with conservative evangelicals, especially on, on, the, on the life issues, if you can believe that. That just shows you how far gone that man is. All the more essential, therefore, that we find and that we rededicate ourselves to our faith and we work together and to, to bring back the, the Christian basis of Western civilization. And that is, if you look at the blessing that Archbishop Vigano has given us, that is everything that the war room is working on. By the way, I want to thank Archbishop Vigano. I just put it up on mine uh, and Ben, your coverage. I want to make sure people understand the evangelical movement, and particularly in places of oppression like in Brazil now, under the, the rule of Lula, and also in China. This is why Wan Shi Shan, the henchman for Xi, went to went to uh, Brazil. One of the things that China, communists everywhere, uh, they fear the Catholic Church, but they in particular right now fear the uh, – the, the evangelizing fervor of evangelical Christianity. It's, it's a powerful force in this world, a powerful force in this world. And that's why in Brazil, it's driving the situation in Brazil. It's driving the situation with the Chinese Communist Party. Ben, I've only got a minute. How can people get to you? Quite frankly, your getter feed, all of it, your live streams are incredible. Bess, you're head of international, but you cover so much for us, the church, you cover domestic politics here. How do people get to you? Um, 
It's at Harnwell, simply don't my surname, at Harnwell on Getter. If I can just add that tribute you've just done, the most important evangelical Christian leader in Europe is Viktor Orban. Without him, it would be curtains. So everyone needs to keep him in, in, in their prayers and thoughts as well as as, as well as uh, Bolsonaro. No, you see, you, see, you see Orban, you see Bolsonaro. Does, uh, these evangelical leaders are just absolutely incredible. Hey, many of them are former Catholics, right? We got to, you know, yeah. a lot of times because of the progressive nature of what Francis and these guys did in the Second Vatican Council, people, a lot of people thought they just didn't have the connection, personal relationship with Christ offered by the church. And they went to evangelical Christianity, an amazingly powerful force in the world. Uh, because it is the force of the uh, living Christ. Ben, uh, thank you so much, okay. particularly taking time. There's a couple more videos I want to share, but do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I definitely want to comment on this. Um, let me escape out of this here real quick. You know, Leah and I see very clearly in our, in our movement, there are uh, a lot of Catholics that are fed up with um, what the Pope is doing right now. They're disgusted. But that's their faith in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And then there are a ton of people that are also kind of in the same camp as people that hate Israel, right? That hate Catholicism and have reasons for that. I get all of that, okay? But I will say that the only way that we are going to move forward is if we do not alienate the Catholics that are fighting mm -hmm. against this yeah. woke agenda yeah. by Pope Francis. Yeah. So we have to, we're going to have to, like they just talked about, you're going to have to bridge a gap here. You are. And, you know, some of the greatest uh, reporting comes out of Jack Posobiec. He is more of a traditional Catholic. I know a lot of people in a video that Ben has, that people want to go back to traditional Catholicism. A lot of us don't understand what happened in Vatican II. It actually, on the one hand, was good because it made the uh, mass applicable to the people. And I would say to the traditional Catholics, a Latin mass doesn't make sense. I know that I know I have a lot of really good conservative friends who just enjoy the uh, spirituality of a Latin mass. But you need to know what is the what the Bible is saying in your own language. It's not good, not good enough just to hear something that is pretty to your ears. Exactly. You need to know what what Genesis to Revelation says, and that's the whole point of church. If you're going to read the epistles, Paul says, read these aloud. Make sure people understand these. Latin what's mass in here makes total sense if everybody. There speaks and understands Latin. Exactly. Okay. I and and, and, and let, let's have a biblical proof of that. It's not enough just for us to say that. Okay. So Lee and I are charismatic, spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christians. We speak in tongues. We lay hands on the sick. All of the all of those things. We prophesy. We believe in the fivefold ministry. But in the Bible, it says Paul literally says, "I would rather you say." A handful of words, of words that people... everybody can understand yeah. than for you to go speaking in tongues, even though he, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And I thank God yeah. for that. But when you are with a congregation of people, I want people to be able to understand what's being said. Mm -hmm. So that's your biblical principle for why the Latin masses are not of God. Unless you all speak Latin. Unless you all speak Latin. Exactly. Because everybody needs to know the word of God in your own language. I will say, though, that the that we are seeing a convergence and we need to be able to discuss our different views on how we apply our faith without hurling, you know, 
de degrading statements at each other. There's a guy that I follow, Peter Marshall. He's really good. He's a traditional Catholic. He is always on his posts, though, the people underneath comment very voraciously about the heretic Martin Luther. And we wouldn't be in this mess if it wasn't for the heretic Martin Luther. And that is not a very constructive statement because it's not true, number one. And number two, we have to start seeing each other like Ben Hormwell is saying as we are Christians, we are believers. There is a huge evangelical movement happening in Brazil. There's a huge evangelical movement happening in China. And these are people who they, you know, the first church wasn't founded by a pope and priests. The first church was spread by just 12 disciples and normal people going to each other and saying, have you heard about Jesus? And you know what I hear all the time? I hear, you know, people say being a Catholic doesn't mean that you're a Christian. You know, just because you're Catholic doesn't mean you're a Christian. Well, just because you're Baptist doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just right. because you're a uh, Presbyterian doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because right. you say you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. Yeah. Right? So this, the, it, this is a very broad thing here. Exactly. So in when he's talking about, I don't know if you can, can even set that Rumble up. To fix their toggles. Like, would it kill them to make it like every other platform? No, but why can't you rewind? You can't rewind. No, these you things? can. It's just the refresh. It's just this the toggling on Rumble is the worst. You have to just click, 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 click. That's very interesting. And I love Rumble, and it's, I'm glad we have it as an alternative, but this is it's hard to turn the volume up. It's hard to fast forward. I know, right? Okay, Isn't that here the we same are. exact clip. This is a different clip. So from the same background and place. Yeah. Okay. I believe it. Maybe it is. It looks clip. identical. Okay. Then shut that one down. Bring up. I've got a couple more. To the right? Yeah. Is that the one we just played? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the conservatism of Benedict okay, so. is dead. Francis killed it. This is a very interesting clip. Not that one. You just had it. Isn't there that the go. one we just watched? No. Okay. So many huge things have happened this week we haven't been able to get into. One is the, the funeral for Pope Benedict. Uh, ben, just give us an update about today, what, what happened. Ben joins us live from the Vatican. Good morning, Steve. Yes, well, the funeral took place this morning at 9.30. The numbers that have been released so far show uh, a diminution um, from that of the funeral 17 years ago of John Paul II. Here are the figures now. In, 20, in April 2005, there were two million pilgrims, two million pilgrims that filed past the coffin over a six-day period, compared to Benedict now when 65,000 people filed past. And in terms of raw numbers, 500,000 people in St. Peter's Piazza 17 years ago, 500,000 with 600,000 in an overspill, in overspill areas across Rome, that's 1.1 million in total, compared to 50,000 people in St. Peter's Piazza behind me this morning. Now, after the break, Steve, I'm gonna break that down and uh, give my analysis on precisely what that means for the future 50, of the 50,000, I, th I, th I, th I thought they were 100, I thought they were expecting 160,000, yeah. but 100,000 showed up. You're saying it's 50,000, not 100? Yeah, um, well, the, the figures vary from news organization to news organization. The consensus 
It's 50,000. Those are the figures okay. that, the, that the police released. This is not, we're not taking a shot at Pope Benedict about just the size of the crowds or anything like that. It's, it's quite different. So we're going to take a, a short commercial break. Ben, uh, I want to finish back to the Vatican. Listen, there were tears of joy when St. John Paul II passed away and, and it, the white smoke came out and it was Pope Benedict at the time, Cardinal Ratzinger. The conservatives sat there. I remember so much of my traditionalist conservative friends had tears of joy that the best pick was this conservative theologian that was the wingman for St. John Paul II. It didn't quite work out like that, did it, Ben Harnwell? No, it didn't, Steve, quite sadly. And, of course, one of the reasons why everyone thought this, that Benedict or the then Cardinal Ratzinger was some conservative or even traditionalist icon, uh, was because that was what the mainstream media had, had been telling us. It's the same mainstream media that back in 2005, of course, that was telling us that George Bush, the then president, was some sort of conservative, um, really sort of strong Republican uh, politician figure. And of course, he wasn't either. What we have to stop doing, Steve, is, is looking to the mainstream media for their, for their indications on who are conservative or traditionalist figures, especially when they play them up as they were doing with Ratzinger, because it's invariably never true. Wasn't true with, with George Bush. It was not, wasn't true with Cardinal Ratzinger. Um, this is one of the reasons why there are so few people here in the piazza behind me. Um, Obviously, com compared to John Paul II, I know I don't have very much time, but compared to John Paul II, uh, who died when he was still in office, Benedict was out of office for 10 years, um, and yet it is strange that basically a tenth of the people were here. One of the reasons is, and we're going to have to break this down, Steve, um, in, in future episodes, because it's extremely important to the defence of the Judeo-Christian West, is where the position of the Catholic Church is on some key cultural issues. Um, and to do that, we need to define two terms conservatism and traditionism. Now, you've often said, both on air and on your getter feed, that, that we're traditionalists, and we are. It's important to say what that means in the context of the decline of the Catholic Church. Traditionalists want to go back to before the Second Vatican Council. Remember that to all the, the, to all the evangelicals whom I love. You know, I have a great re re relationship with you guys, uh, especially on getter. I love the evangelicals, but let this name stick in your head, the Second Vatican Council. It was a big um, uh, council, ecumenical council, thousands of bishops, all the world's Catholic bishops here in the Vatican behind me. And what they basically did was they changed the substance of the faith on that occasion. Now, conservatives believe that what was taught at the Second Vatican Council is, is, is it's, it's possible to, to interpret that in line with the traditional faith. Traditionalists deny that completely and say, no, no, we need to go back to before the Second Vatican Council. Cardinal Ratzinger, to the very marrow of his bones, believed that the Second Vatican Council was reformable. Um, and that position was basically torpedoed by his successor, Pope yep. Francis. And I think that explains why there are so few people here today. Yeah. Ben, we'll get more of this now that uh, there's not a uh, even somewhat of a conservative looking over the shoulder of Pope Francis. It's, uh, how do I say this? Another issue. We'll get into more of that. Ben Harnwell, thank you so much. Ben, how do people get to you on Getter? So, uh, of all the contributors. What's very interesting is that Pope Francis is now, quote unquote, free to do what he thinks he can do. Because even though Benedict was more of a George Bush, there wasn't a notion that he could actually, and I something we missed in the clips that he could actually reinsert himself back in. And Francis was always afraid of that because he resigned. He could always put himself back in. That's and interesting. I didn't know that. But what I'm thinking as you're well, talking... Can I, let me finish my, my thought. Yeah, no, let me get this out. I don't want it to escape. Okay. You made a compare... You're, what you're saying is this guy was kind of holding together or holding back the onslaught of wokeness that's coming out of Francis, which is amazing because there was a lot of wokeness. I would put the same comparison with Queen Elizabeth. And so yeah. you, you've now seen two major figures pass away 
And this onslaught, I think, is going to be unleashed. Well, this from the New York Times, you're seeing it from the Economist magazines, you're seeing from far left sources. Benedict's burial leaves Francis alone and unbound. Now, why does this matter? Because Francis and the Vatican have put themselves into the the world stage into the political stage they talk about allowing migrants they talk about economic things they talk about climate change they have become again a world power okay and that's in a second liberal supporters of francis now this is from the new york times a pope never shy about exercising power now anticipate a late breaking season of change uh, since the first day of his papacy nearly a decade ago, Pope Francis has been has had to navigate an unprecedented. And it is so interesting that these lefties are so concerned about Christianity. Mm. Now, Pope Francis has had to navigate an unprecedented complication in the Roman Catholic Church. They actually like institutions like this because if you have an institution like this, all you have to do is have one guy say something and millions of people follow. That's why they want the totalitarianism. That's why they promote uh, the Roman Catholicism, and that's why they're they're promoting their guy. Supporters of Francis studiously played down the two pontific uh, anomaly, but it generated confusion, especially when conservative uh, accolades of Pope uh, Benedict XVI sought to wrap their fervent opposition in the leader's white robes. Now with the burial of Benedict on Thursday, Francis, never bashful about exercising his power, is for the first time unbound. Now I'm sure he'll take it over, says Oswald uh, Gracious, the Archbishop of Mumbai, as he walked around St. Peter's Square before Benedict's funeral mass. Some liberal supporters of Francis, who have often balked in the face of advancing major overhauls, are raising expectations for a late-breaking season of change. Now, you, this is the Pope that goes and um, does ceremonies with gods in South America. It's, it's, he's very, you know, liberal, and he's a Jesuit. Many bishops and cardinals, he's very much embraced, like, a, kind of like the homosexual nature and things like that. Uh, many bishops and cardinals in the Vatican are convinced he's thinking ahead said Gerald O'Connell, the Vatican correspondent for American Magazine. What changes now is that the opposition will not have the rallying figure manipulating Benedict. They feel like traditional Catholics were manipulating Benedict. Francis has a very clear agenda. So Mr. O'Connell, the author of The Election of Pope Francis, an inside story of the conclave, the change of history, the envision an immediate future of swifter personal uh, personnel decisions and the placing of more lay Catholics in power. He said there was talk about a new document on morality, sexuality, and contraception. There has been a very hard line in the Catholic Church on contraception and sexuality. And thank God for them doing that. He also predicted the revisiting of major issues. Francis has already allowed debate on key and previously taboo topics like being more inclusive to gay people. Giving women larger roles in the church in 2021, he seemed poised to allow merry men in far-flung areas like the Amazon to become priests, which I actually agree with, uh, while an unexpected expression of opposition from Benedict or those writing in his name perhaps contributed to Francis pulling back. He left the door open. Already absolute, Francis's leadership in the church is increasingly fortified by a hierarchy in his image. By the end of the year, Francis will most certainly pack the College of Cardinals with hand-picked appointees of super left-wing liberals, okay? Guys, if you're in the Catholic Church, I'm sorry, you're done for. Uh, his chosen prelates will most likely then make up two-thirds of the body, the threshold necessary for electing the next pope. 
that number could click even higher if he remains in power through the end of 2024. So we're talking about different areas of power. The Vatican holds a, a large sway over many people around the world. And so where it goes, it's going to take a lot of people with it. That's the whole point of having control of the Catholic Church, and which is why kings have wanted control over the church yeah. for centuries. Um, when the second of two major meetings of the world's bishop was convened will end in 2024. Those so-called synods, deeply disparaged by Benedict's wing, are the fulfillment of Francis's vision to foster a consensus for bigger changes in the church. While all that remains in the future, what while all that remains in the future, what seems certain is that Francis seems eager to put an end to the grievances about the past. On Friday, day after the burial of his predecessor, Francis seemed to try to quell the grumblings by ben Benedict's loyalists, who had accused him of giving Benedict short. Sh uh, short uh, shrift in his funeral homily and of having disappointed the Pope Amitris uh, repeatedly over the past decade by quoting Benedict XVI's own words about avoiding the petty and mundane and putting faith above all else. In a remark that has been widely interpreted in the Vatican as a direct response to the complaints of Benedict's closest collaborator, Archbishop George uh, Gaswin, who has a book coming out, Francis said during the Mass, Let us worship God, not ourselves. Let us worship God and not the false idols that seduce by the allure of prestige or power or the allure, to, allure of false news. Fake news. Yep. He's talking about fake news. The new era also ended the strange business of church officials denying any awkwardness in the two-pope epoch. Cardinal Gracias said there was continuity between Benedict, whom he admired and who had elevated him to cardinal, and he was a big supporter. Pope Francis was not being influenced by Benedict or his, um, or his people. Uh, there were not two popes, and a lot of people did think that there were, there were two popes. I do want to play, and you can uh, give some commentary there while you bring this up. Uh, this is a PBS News Weekend um, broadcast just kind of talking about Pope Benedict and actually something huge that we we covered, which was the clergy sex abuse scandal. And I think that that was really what had him um, resign because I've seen him. There was another clip that I, I played. I don't think I have it up where he says he wishes that he could have done more and he had held it. He had handled it better. Yeah, I don't think that there were two popes. That's my opinion. I don't know. It would it would be very it will be very interesting to see Pope Francis unleashed if Benedict was kind of holding him back a little bit, but I don't think that he was influencing. I think what we watched happen with the resignation of Pope Benedict was a kowtowing. I think he was. I think to he's resign. put into. He was put into his place, not well, the other way around. There, there was a lot of abuse and scandals, and I do believe, for all of Benedict's faults, that he felt that it was bad and that it should be fixed somehow, yeah. some way. But I, and he was Francis, not nearly strong enough to do it. Francis covered it up and actually brought those people back in. In many cases, yeah. Go ahead. Exactly. This final day of the year, we begin with the deaths of two significant and very different figures who left their marks in very different ways. First, Benedict XVI, the Pope Emeritus. He died this morning at a Vatican City monastery. In St. Peter's Basilica, Pope Francis remembered his predecessor as noble and kind. Laura Barone Lopez reports Benedict's papacy was marked by a conservative defense of church doctrine and struggles over dealing with the clergy sex abuse scandal. When Pope Benedict XVI stepped down in 2013, he made history. 
becoming the first pontiff to do so in 600 years. Benedict told a stunned world he did it for the good of the church. He cited declining health, and after closing the door on his nearly eight years at the helm, he largely disappeared from public life. He was born Joseph Ratzinger in 1927 in southeast Germany. Ordained a priest in 1951, he quickly earned a reputation as an intellectual and a theologian teaching at German universities. He gained notice as an expert advisor during Vatican II, which ushered in major church reforms, and for his prolific writing. In 1977, Pope Paul VI appointed Ratzinger Archbishop of Munich and subsequently made him a cardinal. A few years later, Pope John Paul II appointed him head of the Vatican Office for Church Doctrine, where he served for almost 25 years. When Pope John Paul II died in 2005, Ratzinger was elected his successor, taking the name Benedict XVI. My true plan to govern is not to do my own will, not to pursue my own ideas, but to listen, together with the whole church, to the word and the will of the Lord. Father Thomas Reese is senior analyst at Religion News Service. Pope Benedict was really a Rorschach test for people in the church. Progressives saw him as uh, very controlling, as limiting uh, theological discussion and debate. Uh, conservatives loved him uh, because he was firm in his teaching and imposed that on uh, on what they considered dissident theologians. Benedict reinforced the church's stance against birth control and that neither married men or women could be ordained as priests. But much of his papacy was marked by the ongoing, unresolved clergy sex abuse scandal. He often spoke about it during his visits abroad, including during mass on a trip to Washington, D.C. in 2008. I acknowledge the pain which the church in America has experienced as a result of the sexual abuse of minors. No words of mine could describe the pain and harm inflicted by such abuse. Benedict defrocked hundreds of priests for sexual abuse while in office, a reversal of more lax policies under John Paul II. Many, after new revelations in 2010 of abuse cases worldwide. He does indeed seem to have laicized many priests, but not nearly enough. Anne Barrett-Doyle is co-director of bishopaccountability.org, a site that tracks abuse in the church. It is a fact that when Pope Benedict uh, left the papacy, he left in place hundreds, if not thousands, of complicit bishops. He left due to his choice to not make zero tolerance a universal reality. He left thousands, if not tens of thousands, of abusive priests in ministry. In early 2022, an independent report commissioned by the Munich Archdiocese found that then-Archbishop Ratzinger failed to take any action in four instances of alleged sexual abuse during his tenure. In a letter, Benedict acknowledged the abuses and apologized, but never admitted wrongdoing. I think victims realize that though Pope Benedict said the right words, he absolutely failed to follow up with steps that he was perfectly capable of taking if he had was really determined to so end the then uh does pbs do any sort of um 
Are they trying to uh, stop uh, it? On are they trying to uh, do an expose? Where are those hundreds of thousands? Where are those exactly. thousands that Francis has kept in place? Have a bingo. No, I think there's some more than me. See, I one more little video here, and then we're going to move on. Um, rumble to. Oh one. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You can play that one. Right he, at the spot. I, no, start it. it. Yeah. Retired Pope Benedict XVI has responded to allegations that cases involving paedophile priests in his native Germany had been mishandled during his time as Archbishop of Munich. In a letter read out by his secretary, the former Joseph Ratzinger said, I have had great responsibilities in the Catholic Church. All the greater is my pain for the abuses and the error occurred in those different places during the time of my mandate. In all my encounters, especially on several apostolic journeys, with people sexually abused by priests, I have come face to face with the consequences of the most grievous fault. And I have come to understand that we ourselves are drawn into the grievous fault whenever we neglect it or fail to confront it with the necessity, decisiveness and responsibility as too often happened and continues to happen. Okay, you can stop that. And then there's a rumble video here. Last one um, to the left. Oh, to the right. There you go. Well, they can certainly follow me. Yeah. ...by a pope. Catholic Church, particularly Pope Benedict XVI. Uh, Joseph, for our, particularly for our non-Catholic audience, and maybe even for part of our Catholic audience, how are we in a situation where you have a Pope that has died and going to be buried, uh, and the Mass is going to be uh, officiated by a Pope who's in office, sir? It's a very unusual situation. The last time that a Pope resigned uh, or, or retired from office was a saint, actually, St. Celestine V, back in the 13th century. Um, and uh, Pope Benedict's the only pope since then to have followed that suit. But I would say one thing, however anomalous it was, and however all of us who admire Pope Benedict might have been disappointed by his resignation, um, we, the, the fact is that his, the, his predecessor is canonized. Uh, and, um, you know, I honestly believe, and I say in my book, that Pope Benedict's papacy uh, was much more successful than Celestine V's, and I, and I argue in the book he was as holy as St. Celestine V. In other words, who's just passed away to meet his eternal, eternal reward is someone who I honestly believe, and I know many other people honestly believe, is now a saint. Uh, Joseph Pierce, uh, and the book is by uh, Tan. It's on, the, it's, on the, uh, it's on the life and the papacy of, uh, of Pope Benedict XVI. He was uh, such, coming off of the uh, reign of John Paul II, he was looked at, particularly by traditional Catholics, as being someone that could take the church through these turbulent times. And it was an absolute stunning shock when he stepped down because most people that are raised Catholic didn't know about St. Celestine. They never had been taught that a pope could actually step down or retire. Why did Pope Benedict... Particularly, given what's happened to traditional Catholicism after, why did Pope Benedict choose that path? I, I, I'll answer that as best I, as I can in a moment. But one thing I would like to say is he was uh, Saint John Paul II's right-hand man for 20 years. The, the two of them together were a dynamic duo, and they turned the tide against the liberals and the modernists in the Church uh, during Saint John Paul II's reign. And then during the time that Pope Benedict was Pope. He did wonderful things for the restoration of, of tradition, 
for the uh, for the the, the uh, defeat uh, uh, and defense of the church and defeat of modernism uh, and liberalism within the church. So he had a great deal of good uh, before he retired. Now, you know, obviously we're disappointed because we would have hoped that he would have carried on doing good. Uh, but I, I, you know, to answer your question, I it's, it's speculative and there's lots of speculation out there. But my belief is that he didn't want to be Pope. You know, the good thing about holy men is they're not seeking power. Uh, he was hoping to retire with the death of, of the St. John Paul II. Uh, he took on the burden of the papacy and did a great job for the period that he was Pope and did some very important things, including the restoration of the traditional liturgy, uh, the traditional uh, Latin mass uh, and, and other good things. Um, but uh, I think that he hoped that he, he, he realized he was getting old and getting weak and getting tired. And I think he hoped that uh, a younger predecessor would, okay, you uh, would stop take that up there. The now, when it comes to Catholicism, there are good people, there are good priests, but they're really not allowed to, to be there. My silly chair is now, I don't even have a dog to blame things on back here. <laughs> um, we, we're seeing a convergence of light and dark on both sides. So it's very interesting because this year we saw, and it was just recently, Archbishop Carlo Mario Vagano spoke out against their sanctions against Father Frank Pavone. Now, Father Frank, Frank Pavone has been on the war room. He's a very outspoken pro-life speaker, and he was dismissed. He was, I, I think he was, um, he's dismissed from the priesthood, and he is one of these guys who very, very pro-life. He's one of the most prominent pro-life leaders in the world. Originally from New York, he was ordained in 1998 by Cardinal John O'Connor and has dedicated his entire life and ministry to ending abortion. In 1993, he requested and received permission to serve as the National Director of Priests for Life, the largest pro-life ministry in the Catholic Church. He is also the president of the National Pro-Life Religious Council, the National uh, Pastoral Director of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, and of Rachel's Vineyard, the world's largest ministry of, of healing after abortion. He travels throughout the country uh, to an average of four states every week, preaching and teaching against abortion. He broadcasts daily to hundreds of thousands of people on television, radio, and online programs. Mother Teresa asked him to speak in India on life issues. The Vatican appointed him to the Pontifical Academy of Life and the Pontifical Ca Ca Council for the Family. And uh, a couple weeks ago, they stripped him of his priesthood. Wow. Because what we're thinking and they didn't even actually give an exam a reason because of his alignment with us and Donald Trump. Hmm. This is where the Catholic church is going. And if you're still aligning yourself, with the Catholic church, you have to know that they're, they're dissociating themselves from you. Yeah. That's really good. Um, so it was a, a last Saturday news broke that the, the Vatican dismissed Dr. Frank Pavone from the clerical state of blasphemous communications on social media. <sighs> And a, de and a December 13th letter to the U.S. bishops attained by the CNA and confirmed by multiple sources as authentic. Um, it says, Father Pavone was given ample opportunity to defend himself on the canonical proceedings, and he was given multiple opportunities to submit himself to the authority of his diocesan bishop. Explains a separate statement. Now, do you know what this... Make him a, they made him a lay person. Now, it, uh, a few hundred years ago, they would have killed him. Right. 
I am just, I, I'm, you guys, here's your Martin Luther. Hmm. Martin Luther is, was more Catholic, especially this, go read the 95 thesis. It's filled with more Catholic than I could even stand. <laughs> okay. The Pope still has power and you got it. And he was so Catholic. Okay. So Catholic. And so I would just pray and ask Catholics who see Martin Luther as some sort of bad guy to recognize you need to be Martin Luther red-pilled because he's one of you and he never wanted to leave the Catholic Church. He is Father Pavone who was laicized. He was kicked out. He wasn't asking for um, the Pope to step down. He was asking for abuses to stop. And heresies. Well, well, he was saying that you need to go to the word of God alone. Exactly. He's saying you need to be, you're, you're saved. And this is true by faith alone in Jesus Christ. You're not saved by any works that you can do. And so there's a, there's a whole big thing going back and forth between um, Protestants and even, it's evangelicals now and Catholics, but Bishop Vagano, now we want to talk about Archbishop Vagano, who's basically in hiding, but he's our guy. Okay, he is our Catholic guy, um, and he spoke out against um, Dr. Frank, uh, or Friar Frank um, Pavone being um, laicized. He said, it follows that a person's actions are consistent with who that person is. We find confirmation of this principle of ontology in the canonical sanctions recently imposed by the Holy See on Father Frank Pavone, a well-known and appreciated pro-life priest who for decades has been committed to the battle against the horrible crime of abortion. This unjust and illegitimate punishment becomes all the more hateful the closer we come to the Holy Christmas. If we consider that by the killing of innocent children, the enemy of the human race wants to kill the infant king, the uh, Bergoloian sect, Pope Francis, ellipses the Catholic Church with its arrogant occupation of leadership posts and scandalously abuses its authority for a purpose opposed to that, that for which our Lord, the head of the church, has intended it. There is no area of doctrine, morals, discipline, or liturgy that has not been ob the object of his, its vandalizing action. This is basically a 95 thesis moment here. Nothing is being saved of the little that remained after 60 years of systemic demolition through the work of the Second Vatican Council and that which survives as a crumbling reminder of the glory of days gone by. He concludes, if serving the church and defending the life of the innocent creatures in this time of apostasy constitutes a crime worthy of dismissal from the clerical state while promoting abortion and gender ideology and violating consecrated virgins is not deemed liable to excommunication, then Father Pavone ought to consider this shameful Vatican decision to be the source of pride, recalling our Savior's words, blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every manner of evil against you falsely. Matthew 5.11, and whosoever has inculpated uh, themselves as an accomplice of this persecution against the good ought to tremble at the thought of that judgment awaits them. Wow. Dis non iritur. God is not mocked. Galatians 6.7. Well said. And I think, Michelle, why don't you read, and I think I have it up, the New Year's benediction from Vagano to the Getter family. Do you have that up or no? This is what I have right next to Getter. No, you don't have it up. Okay, you can read it here then. Is this it? 
No, no that's not right here. Just you can just read that there if you want to. Dear War Room Posse. I love how. Did he really say posse? Yeah, I That's what they so. call themselves. As we confront the beginning of the year of our Lord, 2023, the present situation, both in the United States and in Europe, is very tr is truly worrying. The globalist elite is continuing to implement its infernal agenda, both with the crisis in Ukraine and with new emergencies aimed at controlling the world population and destroying the religious, social, and economic fabric of nations. In this desolate panorama, even the hierarchy of the Catholic Church is almost totally subservient to the interests of the deep state, which finds a zealous ally in the deep church rather than as if it would be right a firm opponent. It is heartening to see that there are so many good souls, both in civil society and in the church, who are not deceived by the official narrative and know how to recognize the grave impending threat. Some are committed to denouncing the global coup, and among those, these, Steve Bannon and his war room stand out as well as the War Room Posse, which sees it as a safe reference point for understanding what is happening. To all of you and to all those who are engaged in this work of information and geopolitical analysis in the light of the Christian faith, I assure you of my remembrance and prayer, urging you all to keep yourselves in the grace of God, the only salvation in this hour of darkness. If you fight this good fight under the banner of King Christ the King, he will protect you and make the enemy's assaults useless. Draw strength in the Lord and in the strength of this of his power. Put on the armor of God to be able to resist the snares of the devil. Indeed, our battle is not against creatures made of blood and flesh, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of this world of darkness, against the spirits of evil who dwell in the heavenly regions. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. May the Lord bless you all. This Begone. channel. And then I have a video here. Those. Okay, so this is from a month ago for you guys to know that Magano is real. He does make videos, and this is from a month ago, him calling out the deep state. Those who do not adapt to this fourth industrial revolution will find themselves ousted and will lose. They will lose everything, including their freedom. In short, Klaus Schwab is threatening the head of government of the 20 most industrialized nations in the world to carry out the programmatic points of the Great Reset in their nation. This goes far beyond the pandemic. It is a global coup d'etat against which it is essential that people rise up and that the still healthy organ of state start an international juridical process. The threat is imminent and serious. Since the World Economic Forum is capable of carrying out its subversive project, and those who govern nations have all become either enslaved or blackmailed by this international mafia in the light of these statements and those of others no less delusional than Yuval Noah Harari Schwab's advisor. We understand how the pandemic first served as a trial balloon for imposing controls, coercive measures, curtailing individual freedoms and increasing unemployment and poverty. The new step will 
will have to be carried out by means of economic and energy, energy crisis, which are instrumental to the establishment of a synarchic government in the hands of the global elite. You know, if he said anything that was not allowed on Facebook, it's okay because they wouldn't be able to understand what he said. No, it was really good. That though. was really good. I don't think you could take him down. I got about three quarters of it. There were a couple things I missed in his He's global elite, man. <laughs> and they got, got their the next e step is the energy. I got the gist of it. Yeah, so I do want to read a little bit more from Vigano on the the laicizing of uh, Frank um, Pavone because it's so powerful against the global elite here. If a Roman uh, dicastry decides to electrocate a priest with reduction to the lay state, accusing him of I blasphemy. Think just electrocute. Electrocute, sorry, a priest uh, with reduction to the lay state, accusing him of blasphemy and presenting, preventing him from, ha from having the ability to defend himself legally in a canonical uh, trial. And if at the same time, these uh, the same kind of decisions are not taken with regard to notorious her uh, heretical, corrupt, and fornicating clergy. Uh oh, it is not out of place to ask if such a persecutory action reveals a persecutory mind, and if an action against a good priest who has worked strenuously to oppose abortion reveals the hatred of the persecutor with regard to the good and those who fight for it. It's he's literally saying, You guys are. Evil, he says. The uh, Bergoglian sect, which was talking about Pope Francis, ellipses the Catholic Church with this arrogant occupation of leadership posts and scandalously abuses its authority for a purpose opposed to that which, for our Lord, the head of the church, um, actually, this uh, wasn't uh, for Francis. Let me get to this. Has intended it. Uh, oh yeah, referring to the inner circle, of Francis, the former Cardinal uh, Jorge Mario. Uh, Bergillo, he's not actually calling him by the name of Francis. He's calling him by his previous name because he doesn't see him as Pope. And he says, there is no area of doctrine, morals, discipline, and liturgy that has not been the object of its vandalizing action. He refers to Pope Francis and his decision makers as the Roman Sanhedrin. The Archbishop which on, went on to observe that the body appears to have a purpose of persecuting the good and promoting evildoers and used the cancellation of Pavone as a prime example. Vagano wrote, the pro-life priest dismissal from the priesthood is being carried out with, the ferocious, with ferocious obstinacy, both in order to feed a climate of terror among the clergy so as to constrain them into servile and fearful obedience and also to create a disorientation and scandal among the faithful and others who still look to the church as a moral moral point of reference okay take a breath so this has been a lot of information coming at you guys but again as i kind of inserted when we why are we talking about the royal family why are we going into this you would be shocked to find out just how much global power the vatican and the catholic church i will say just the vatican hold it, your very life every single day is affected by decisions that happen in the Vatican. This, there are, there are world superpowers. Okay. We look at China as one. The Vatican is another world global superpower, but they, they're like silent. And what they do, and this is why I want to caution those of you that just hate the Catholic church is they keep you in that I hate the Catholic Church 
vitriol and anger because it's a distraction while underneath of it all, they are doing things that are transforming society by backroom deals but you that wanna, are being done. You want to know what Lozana did? He actually called for a three-day fast for the January 6th detainees. I know. I heard about that. Like, he's a legit... No, he's he like is legit. absolutely legit. I love Cardinal Vagano. I, I would love to interview him. You know, Scott Kesterson has interviewed him has before he? in the past. I would really like I to. would. That would be like the honor of a lifetime for it me to be able be to interview very, him. We've had some honors that I didn't think we would get, and we've had, and I think that that would be I would really love to interview powerful. him. All right, speaking of uh, people being laicized, if Jordan Peterson does not undergo a deprogramming, then he will lose his license. Right. So I've got two videos up. One is going to be pure. Um, so it was actually because he shared thought like wrong think with pre the, the um Pierre what's his name from Canada Polivare 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 maybe just uh, I retweeted it you can bring it up bring up Pierre Polivare's you want to just play that whole video Pierre Polivare's video yeah that's what you want because we have that one downloaded I can just bring it up here yeah let's play that one so the Ontario College of Psychologists has told Jordan Peterson that he either undergo retraining for social media etiquette or lose his license to practice as a clinical psychologist. This follows a number of complaints by people who don't like his online posts, uh, one of which is a retweet of something I posted, another is a criticism of Justin Trudeau. Now, it should go without saying that in a free country, professionals should not lose their jobs and licenses because they express a political opinion contrary to the licensing body that's mandated by the government. But of course, in saying this, my liberal critics in the media will of course say, well, Polyev agrees with freedom of speech for someone like Dr. Peterson, therefore he must endorse everything Dr. Peterson has ever said. Well, of course not. I don't endorse 100% of everything anyone has ever said. There's no two people in the world who agree 100% of the time on 100% of things. And so I'm sure there is something he's posted that I do object to, but that is not the point because freedom of speech only matters when you disagree. I mean, if we all agreed, we wouldn't need freedom of speech because no one has ever tried to censor someone for saying something that they agree with. Uh, it is only when there is a disagreement that it matters. And that's what distinguishes Canada, a free country, from dictatorships. Dictators don't censor things their citizens say that the dictator agrees with, only things they disagree with. Here in Canada, though, unfortunately, through the cancel culture and the woke movement we've seen at university campuses and um, in the media and now increasingly in big, powerful corporations, and most recently with a professional licensing body, we're seeing the idea that someone can lose their job, their status, their ability to study because they express something that is contrary to the government line. Now, I don't believe that is the Canada we want. We have Section 2B of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. 2B or not 2B, that is the question. And the answer is that as Voltaire 
has been quoted as saying, I may not agree with what you say, but I will defend to my death your right to say it. Okay, so I think it's, he pronounced his own name and I barely caught it. I think it's Polivre. 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 All right. So that quote from Voltaire at the end is so fitting for pretty much everything right now that we're going through. We, everyone has a right to say what they want to say. Mm -hmm. The fact that speech has become violence is unheard of. Yeah. Um, and to, to demand the, the retraining of Jordan Peterson because of his social media and how to, how to do social media better. He will allow him, he will allow the license to be revoked before he I would say he that. should move from Ontario, but go ahead and play a Glenn Beck's clip on it, please. All right. Let's see from Glenn here. But I do actually hope he fights it. I guess he should fight it, but what I'm saying is when it comes down to it, if they're going to force it, I know that he will not go along with any kind of retraining mm. of his thoughts. Did you see what's happening with Jordan Peterson? Jordan Peterson, this, this is crazy. The College of Psychologists of Ontario is now investigating um, clinical psychologist Jordan Peterson over criticism of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. The association confirmed on its website that it released a decision November 22nd requiring Peterson to complete a specified continuing education or remedial program, a coaching program designed to address concerns about an individual's public conduct. Peterson says the investigation is due to his retweeting, uh, retweeting uh, of an opposition candidate for prime minister. Uh, I'm going to take a course of such training with reports documenting my progress or face an all-in-person tribunal and suspension of my right to operate as a licensed clinical psychologist, Peterson tweeted. Th this should be a problem. Once you have, once you have uh, an inquisition run by doctors, what's the difference between an inquisition run by doctors and one by, run by the church? This is just the church of wokeism. Questions. 2023 needs to be a year of questions asked and answered. You know, I love Glenn, and he, and he lays it out like it is. Now, as I'm thinking about the whole problem... He Glenn just nailed like he hit the nail on the head when he said that this is an inquisition of doctors. We've had the inquisition of churches. Now we've got the inquisition of doctors. It feels like this is what they're saying. It's not just it feels like they're saying in order for we licensed you, we let you into our club. So you have to obey our rules or you can't be in our club anymore. That's like saying like your driver's license. You can't be in our you get to drive a car club because you don't agree with what we as drivers yeah say. Mhm. Mm okay? Or you you think you're you're married? You got your marriage license there? Well, guess what? We're a group of married people, okay? Like this is ridiculous. To to take someone's license away 
because you don't agree with what they post on social media. Like we have a code of conduct here as clinical psychologists yeah, yeah. and you're not abiding by our code of conduct. Right. So you need to be retrained or you don't get to be in our group anymore. Speaking of retraining, uh, let's go to Brazil for just two stories real quick before we kind of uh, wrap up the show. The, the Supreme Court in Brazil is a far less communist court. And we know that Bolsonaro won that election. And it's the guy Lula was a criminal, convicted on criminal charges, let out and allowed to run for president. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what we're dealing with. We know that. Brazil uh, uh, filled the streets with protesters. One of the protesters here was this chief, uh, Amazonian chief, who was arrested and has suffered a medical emergency, possibly a uh, heart attack, and was forced to write a hostage letter. He's actually, and this is very interesting, they're arresting Christians. Mm -hmm. The other person they arrested was a Christian who was uh, exposing uh, child's uh, pedophilia and sex abuse. So indigenous chief and pro-democracy protester, Pastor Jose Acheo Severe. Severe. You know what? It's just this Yvante. guy, Jose. Pastor Jose. Uh, suffered a medical emergency January 4th after being held without charges for almost a month. His wife fears he may have had a heart attack shortly thereafter. The firebrand Bolsonaro supporter released an odd letter apologizing for his protest, calling corrupt communist President Lula brother. Uh, he was brutally arrested by the Stasi, and he released, like, basically a hostage letter. And his wife said, I'm here to say that my husband is a pastor, a dignified, honest man, and a man who knows the word, who preaches the word, who defends what is right. It is not fair that he's in jail just because he speaks the truth, because he thinks of Brazil first, our homeland, our family. You see how Brazil first, America first. He is paying for a crime he did not commit. It has been a month since he was arrested, and I want my husband back. We have six children. I need my husband at home. Um the an unidentified indigenous witness said that uh, Sere uh, suffers from advanced diabetes and has to get on uh, on, a, on a diet of food and medication. So if you go over here to um, a Brazilian journalist who exposed child sex abuse in schools has been targeted by uh, the Lula government. His name is Wellington Machado. He's 47 years old. He's a conservative evangelical Christian. See, this is very interesting. We're talking about the evangelical Christianity. We're talking about Catholicism. Uh, he has three children. He was studying for in for law school. His professional life was normal until he started to denounce left-wing public servants involved in the rape of children, pedophilia, and sexual abuse. And that's when, in 2018, they tried to corrupt him with money and job offers. He didn't. He didn't take that. So they tried to set him up. And the rec and recently. August uh, 13th, he published an interview with a popular singer who called on Brazilians to take the streets in protest against parliamentarians and members of the Supreme Court who together promoted anti-democratic and unconstitutional acts. It was from then on I was targeted with a fake investigation created to justify illegal arrest. I was arrested on September 3rd, 2021, thrown into solitary confinement for 41 days. Uh, he says, I've never been arrested or driven in a police car. In jail, I did 40 days of fasting and prayer, and I was released after 41 days. Um, he said, I was released on an ankle bracelet on the, on the 15th. And then he said, I'm not the only journalist being persecuted. He said, uh, there's another guy who's a refugee in the United States. There was another guy who was abused in prison. And then on this Christmas day, he decided to put an end of it, end of it all. He cut off his anklet. He hung it on a tree. And he is in hiding now. <laughs> ah, good for him. 
So this is where communism leads. And I do believe this is where our government is with the J6 and with the persecution. And, and you've got all of these stories coming together where you have um, this, this the, the Pavone, uh, Pavone priest who was defrocked because he was... He wasn't just talking pro-life things. He was talking conservative things. He was a supporter of the President Trump. He was on the national, you know, he was on the National Right to Life Council. And because anybody who is seen as we're like the rebel forces now, okay? And those in power are using their their power to arrest, to set people up, to defrock them, anything to, they can do to punish or to destroy your life. And before we get to our ending here with it, which is Neil Oliver's monologue. Did we do Ukraine yet? We're just kind of going to go to, we're just going to kind of go over uh, what's happening in um, Ukraine and Russia. So Russia, unfortunately, is mobilizing. I feel bad. Um, preparing to call up an additional 500,000 conscripts in January following the partial mobilization, which is about 300,000 troops. And I, guys, those guys did not want to be drawn up at all. Uh, this is it's it's ugly. It's still an ugly fight. Moscow Moscow has responded to reports uh, uh, saying that a mere half of those that were activated as part of the October mobilization were actually fighting in Ukraine, and so obviously this looks crazy to the world and like you're losing. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, I've got. Russians, Ukrainians fight at close range in forest over Orthodox Christmas. Putin wanted a ceasefire over Christmas. It didn't happen. And it's hard for me to bring any sort of news. Uh, Kansas had a video that I wanted to show you guys. I asked him to send it to me. Um, I'm not sure I can find it. But it's a video of Ukrainian soldiers freezing to death, like basically having a fire like where they're sitting because they're so cold and they're calling out Zelensky saying, you have plenty of food, you're going on TV, you're doing all this stuff and we're sitting here freezing to death and what's going on, yeah. okay? And Zelensky has, again, uh, Zelensky signs a, a controversial law expanding government power to regulate media. He doesn't want anything getting out. This is this is where the stupid, oh, Ukraine, 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 yellow, blue, blah, 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 blah. He has banned opposition parties. He's banned opposition journalists. He's banned any sort of news that could come out that would get to your ears or your eyes that would paint him in a bad light or Russia in a positive light. We aren't even allowed to say it. What does that say? This is the bad guy. This is the bad guy. I don't care about Putin at this point. This guy is the bad guy. Okay. And unlike Biden, he is all in on this. Oh, he's all he is in. in on all of it. Now, I don't think he's acting alone, clearly, he, but he's, he's signed, all in on it. Yeah, he signed into law a controversial statute expanding the government's power to regulate media groups and journalists in the country. He and uh, where are the where are the human rights people on this? He signed the legislation on Thursday over the objection of over the objections of media unions and press freedom organizations that warned it will have a chilling effect on the free speech. It's cold there right now, and free speech does not exist. Under the new law, the National Television and Radio Broadcasting Council, whose members are appointed by the president's administration and by the members of parliament, and remember, he's banned an opposition party, will have broader authority over Ukrainian media organizations and journalists. They don't want anything to get out. There was another video of uh, two 
uh, Ukrainian men who uh, they were c celebrities of some sort. I don't know where it, uh, boxers or something. And they were trying to say, hey, maybe we could have some, maybe we don't want to be at war with Russia. Maybe we can negotiate. And they're under fire. You cannot be a person in Ukraine and have any, um, any say for yourself. Uh, in a statement last month, the National Union of Journalists of Ukraine said the bill posed a threat to press freedom. Such powers are clearly excessive. No one has yet managed to tame freedom of speech in Ukraine. It won't work this time either, although freedom of speech does not exist in Ukraine. And freedom of speech does not exist when talking about Ukraine. If you are trying to hoodwink the entire world into giving your country, which up to this point has historically been seen as the most corrupt Western country in the world, by the way, if you're trying to hoodwink the entire world, what you have to do is censor the press and censor speech. We see this consistently. It's why it works so well in China. They just don't let you speak. Exactly. They just don't let you speak. That's that is exactly why it worked so well in China. All right. A good news story, which I find kind of good news. We're going to Africa for a second. Ghana has dumped the dollar for gold. This is a tweet oh, wow. here. That's awesome. The Ghanaian government recently announced its plans to buy all oil products with gold rather than the United States dollar. He's now doing a they are now joining a group, growing group of countries that have taken direct action against the U.S. dollar hegemony. All right, you want me to play this? Yeah. Okay. The government of Ghana has directed all large-scale mining firms to divest 20% of their entire stock of refined gold at their refineries to the country's central bank. Ghana's vice president, Mohamedou Baumia, has announced that the directive forms part of the country's efforts to use gold to purchase oil products. This global trend of dumping the United States dollar has been reflected since the beginning of this year. Many countries in the world are adopting a diversified strategy on their foreign exchange reserves, further reducing the share of the U.S. dollar. The vice president of Ghana elaborates on the decision to use gold instead of U.S. dollar reserves in purchasing oil products. It is very simple. This is because the exchange rate, whether you are looking at the spot exchange rate or the forward exchange rate, will no longer directly enter the formula for the determination of fuel or utility Boom. prices once we implement this because the purchases of fuel and, and for transport and utility is going to be in cities. It's not going to be in dollars. So the, because you're buying that fuel with gold, that is where the exchange takes place. But once you sell that fuel, you sell it in cities. And then the Bank of Ghana uses those cities to buy more gold and buy the oil, you sell it, and Come then it on. goes around in that way. But essentially, Essentially, you are taking the exchange rate out of the equation. You know I'm going to have something to say about this. Okay, wait a minute. And I know Leah's got a lot to cover on no, the show. No, we're good. Um, guys, this is one of the most clear explanations for or arguments for why dollars across the world, paper, are so wrong. Because you look at Ghana. They are historically... A poor nation, which means that their rate of exchange into dollars to then purchase the oil that they need, there it's 
it's an uphill battle for them. Mm -hmm. But if you take the dollar or even the Ghana dollar, whatever that is, I don't even know what that's called, out of the equation and they go straight to gold. Guys, that is why we have been talking about this. And Patriot Gallery, if you've been watching her shows, she has done some phenomenal episodes that she's keeping up. Or she's, she, she writes blogs and then she will turn them into a whole video um, production for you guys as she reads through it. It's just phenomenal. You can find that on all of our platforms. She wrote several back around November and Thanksgiving and hasn't had time to actually do them. So she's been really, really pouring them out there. But as you listen to our mom's blogs, what you will find consistently is the overwhelming uh, theme of how all the corruption in the entire world is able to take place because we do not operate using gold and silver. And so many times on our show, when, when she talks about it or we talk about it, everyone's like, it's not possible. It's not plausible. You can't do it. What am I supposed to carry around all this? It's actually not difficult to carry around a coin purse to make your purchases. In fact, before even when we had switched over to the dollar, most purchases in everyday life were purchased with, with coins. You had a coin purse. Historically, you've always had coin purses. That's how things are done. And you see how they are able to keep their thumb on people, whether it is the poor in America or the poor in Ghana. They are able to keep their thumb on you. Because you are not using gold and silver coins for your purchases. So this guy has had an epiphany. Wait a minute. How do we get to be treated on the same level? And how do we rise to the, to, to the rest of the nations? Wait a minute. Let's just start using gold and silver for our purchases. And it takes the, the exchange rate completely out of it and levels the playing field. That's what gold and silver do. They level the playing field. And so when Patriot Gallery says we need to be demanding that we are paid in gold and silver, they can't come after you for property taxes without the paper dollar. They can't tax your income. They, they may say that they can, but they can't tax an income of gold and silver. Why? Because of intrinsic value that goes back to the very creation of mankind. All of today's corruption, whether it is sex trafficking, whether it, you name it, think of all the worst things in the entire world. None of it exists without paper dollars and they can't keep these third world countries, you know, under their thumb. If the third world countries wake up to wait a minute, if we start using gold and silver, then all of a sudden we are not just equal, but we may start to overpower some of these other Western nations that their dollar bill is tied to this petro oil. I'm telling you what. This is game-changing. This You could do a whole so, episode on just this alone. That is good news out of Nigeria. But bad news out of Nigeria uh, goes back to the Vatican. A Nigerian nun is, uh, denounces Christian persecution, and the Vatican is silent. Of course, everybody, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. You know, if you follow just the, the, the tide of the day, you're going to miss a lot of things that you need to be concerned about. And the persecution of Christians in Nigeria is something that is that is really intense. And people, Christians are dying. They're being massacred by Muslims over there. And the Biden administration took Nigeria off of the list of places of religious persecution. And Josh Hawley and Mark Rubio actually called them out on it. But more importantly, you know, who's, for all intents and purposes, Pope Francis is just a head for liberals to do nothing good. And only bad because he does not, he's not, he could stop this in one second, but he doesn't. 
Uh, Sister uh, Esther here from the Congregation of Handmaids of the Lord Jesus told Krug's a U.S.-based online Catholic news outlet that Christianity in Nigeria is very much threatened and Christian leaders do not seem to, to care about us. Uh, if they worry, uh, they do little or nothing about it, maybe one out of 500. Many clergymen act as if nothing is happening except a few of them. Many of us here also wonder why the Vatican and Canterbury are keeping us so keeping so quiet about what is happening in Nigeria, the abduction and the killing of truly religious people. Here's a picture of a clergyman carrying white coffins containing the bodies of priests killed by the Fulani herdsmen. Um, and this was in, uh, this was in 2018, two Nigerian priests and 17 worshipers were being buried that day. Uh, Sister Esther here underscored the clearly religious motivations behind the anti-Christian violence. In the case of Nigeria, the intention of the abductors and the killers of Christian priests and pastors is well known. Islamization and Fulni, uh, Fulni, it's the Fulni guys, the Fulni, I don't know how to Fulnization. say it. Well, yeah, it's the Fulnization. Uh, the nun echoed criticism of the government of Nigerian president, um, and he's a um, Muslim there. Many people don't have trust in our government. Many people suspect that the growth of Islamic terrorism in Nigeria is because of its president being a Muslim. And almost all important organs in the Nigerian government are manned by the Fulani Muslims. Nigeria is slated to hold presidential elections this year. Uh, but this uh, Esther is not hopeful that things will get better. She goes, things may get better when a Christian becomes president, but they are making every effort to prevent that. Many believe that things will be worse if the AP... C government with their Muslim Muslim candidate succeed with the APC Buhani government. In 2021, the Biden administration removed Nigeria from the list of persecuted states for Christians there. Uh, so I just wanted to, to make note that while somebody in the Nigerian government is making some headway with the gold and silver, they obviously are allowing um, the persecution of Christians there. Yeah. All right. So I had a couple more stories, but we our story, our, our, our show is getting long. Uh, Japan has launched an official investigation into millions of COVID vaccine deaths. That's a that's a headline. By the same time, Japan's uh, minister calls for a new world order. Japan's trade and industry minister said said on Thursday that a new world order is needed to counter the rise of authoritarian regimes. Looks like in Switzerland, they rejected gender ideology. They ruled that sex is binary. A landmark move, Switzerland's government has rejected gender ideology by ruling that sex is binary and people must be referred to as either male or female with no exceptions. All right, so let's end our show here with... Um Neil Oliver. Neil Oliver. You guys get upset when we don't play his monologue, so um, let me pull this up here and we'll just put it in... How's that sound? Wait, one. There and while is. she does, I'm going to, there's a clip here that we don't need to play. But it's, the title is, We Have Gone Beyond Peak Trans. 1.5 million people in the UK identify as LGBTQ+. 1.5 million. And I just want to, I, I want to clarify so that we all can retain saneness in all of this. This is a new phenomenon. These are not people that... You know, throughout history, you've always had these closet people that just went ahead and got married and had children and were closet LGBTQ plus, 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 plus. This is being inserted into society. Mm -hmm. It is a man-made phenomenon that did not exist before. You have always had homosexuality. You've always had these kind of queer tendencies amongst people who have been mentally unstable or molested as children or whatever. 
But to have it take over a society in a percentage that large is not natural. It is not naturally occurring. And I will, I will add to it, it's not evolutionary. Okay, and what I mean by that, it's not even societally evolutionary where this was going to always happen. This has been by design. You can go back to all of their little booklets that they've been writing about different things and taking over society. This was one of their agendas that they have been implementing. So what I'm saying is it's not a result of a devolving society. This is someone's plan. Yeah. So here we go. Let's hear from Neil here. Thanks, Aaron. While reading around the subject of Russia and Ukraine this week, I came across the story of the Potemkin villages. A legend, dismissed as mostly fiction by modern historians, has 18th century Russian statesman Grigory Potemkin building phony villages along the banks of the Dnipro River, just for effect, to create a useful illusion. His lover, Catherine the Great, and her foreign guests were due to sail down the river on a tour and Potemkin, the story goes, wanted to give them an impressive show of a populous and thriving nation. As I say, the idea is largely dismissed now, but the term Potemkin village has stuck and is still used today to describe the lengths to which the leaders of a failing, broken country might go to in order to create the illusion of success and prosperity mm, when the truth is altogether different. I read about the idea and it occurs to me that here in Britain now we're actually living in a Potemkin village invited by our leaders to populate a phony facade and pretend or God help us actually believe as if everything is fine but nothing is fine. The fact is the story they're telling us about this country of ours is almost entirely a con trick, a pers persuasive only if you don't look too closely at the flimsy plasterboard truth of their creation. When it came to Potemkin villages, real or a myth, it was only outsiders who were to be fooled. They were just passing through after all. The crucial difference for us Brits is that the fakery all around us is not supposed to trick the tourists. Its most important function is to try and convince us, the tax-paying citizens, that all is well, when it most emphatically is not. Look at this poor old place and wonder at how much fakery has been erected. And remember all the time that we're also taxed right up the wazoo for our continued occupation of the shoddy reality some of us see around us. There's so much wrong it's hard to know where to begin. Year after year we hemorrhage more and more cash into a national health service that isn't, which is to say it isn't a national health service. Free at the point of delivery is all very well, but it means nothing if you can't get yourself to that point of delivery while you've still got a pulse. Quite simply, the sacred cow come white elephant that is or has been the NHS is demonstrably incapable of doing the job intended for it. Infuriatingly, politicians of every stripe insist on calling it our NHS, as though it were a beloved family member, but it's not. That use of our is simply to deter us from ever criticising it. Waiting lists grow ever longer. Sick and injured people wait in agony and desperation for ambulances that don't come or not for many hours. We're actually told not to bother the NHS, to do all we can to avoid needing the service we pay for. And so trusting people obey, suffering in silence in their homes, not reporting their health concerns to their GPs, the lumps, the stubborn coughs, the blood, putting off the call for help that might save their lives until it's too late. But the NHS is only one part, admittedly a hugely expensive part, of this land of make-believe. We're no longer policed by consent, rather the police force, and it is a force now in lieu of a service, has been bent around political or ideological will. 
Some protest groups are deemed good. Just Stop Oil, Extinction Rebellion, Insulate Britain, Black Lives Matter and fed tea and biscuits while they blocked the roads and smashed windows, protected from any and all opposing views. Others espousing opinions that fly in the face of the latest ideological kink or political diktat. Protests about so-called vaccines or about lockdowns or illegal immigration often prompt the unleashing of the men on horseback, the riot shields. Crimes without violence are effectively decriminalised now. Blind eyes and deaf ears are turned to burglary, to break-ins to cars, to broad daylight theft from shops and businesses and the like. Under-resourced and overworked forces haven't the capacity for investigating any but the most appalling crimes. Even then it's a lottery in which most of the tickets are losers. A woman has something like a 1 in 77 chance of seeing her rapist convicted. It's increasingly true to say that crime has no consequences in this country. Help yourself, do what you feel like. And if you do have the astonishing bad luck to actually get arrested, why not just self-identify as innocent? The safest line to take if you want to get on in this Potemkin village of ours is that men are women if they say they are. Almost without exception, our most senior politicians are unable or at least absolutely unwilling to say what a woman actually is. If we're not safe to say that a woman is an adult human female, what kind of reality are we living in anyway? Even some of the shapes moving around in our Potemkin village are just characters in borrowed costumes. The Palace of Westminster is yet another fake structure within the Potemkin village, a facade with nothing of meaningful substance behind it. Parliament's a joke, pure and simple. Bad enough that for generations the House of Commons has been dominated and therefore utterly compromised by the party system. Now those parties might as well be one. Vote Conservative, vote Labour, vote Liberal, it makes no difference. There is but one ideology now, the ideology of control, of telling us the little people when to jump and how high. Everywhere you look, truth has been replaced by falsehood, fakery and lies, fake news for a fake village. Mountains of data reveal that the products marketed as vaccines are no such thing. They don't stop infection, they don't stop transmission, they don't stop an infected person getting sick, they don't keep an infected person out of hospital and they don't stop an infected person dying. By any measure, those products released under emergency use authorisation and demonstrably the cause of countless deaths and injuries are at best a facade, a front, an optical illusion intended to make the masses move in the direction desired by the leaders. Whatever way you cut it, those products don't work as advertised, and yet still the advertising slash propaganda campaigns are up and running, right now this very minute, pushing needles into as many arms as possible including those of healthy six-month-old babies. Talking heads still trumpet the nonsense that the vaccine rollout was an unqualified success. Stuffed shirts that stood at the forefront of the pandemic, pushing the medical products, pushing the lockdowns, pushing the face masks, were honoured for their efforts then and remain honoured now, even as the data makes it increasingly plain, to me at least, that what was inflicted upon our population was an unforgivable wrong. Fake knights of the realm for our Potemkin village. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, elected by none of us and therefore a fake Prime Minister, has promised to halt the flow of illegal migrants onto British shores. But I say he'll do no such thing. In fact, I say he doesn't even have any intention of stopping that flow. Any and every British government promises to protect our borders. This is now a fake promise with nothing behind it. Our landscapes are littered with wind turbines and yet millions can barely afford to heat their homes because one way or another we aren't allowed access to the most obvious and reliable sources of energy. Drax power station used to burn coal. 
Now it burns wood pellets obtained by cutting down ancient forests in Canada that campaigners there say are vital for fighting climate change. By banning coal and burning ancient forests, Drax is considered green and so in recent years has received £6 billion in government subsidies. Drax now emits more greenhouse gases than when it burned coal. Drax might be held up as the epitome of the fakery of the misnamed Green Agenda. The Green Agenda is not about green, rather it's about greed. There's even fake meat and fake milk and fake cheese and scores of other fake products besides. What else would you serve in a Potemkin village after all but fake food? Most of the media is pushing the fake agenda entirely appropriate in a Potemkin village. As we speak, they're ramping up the same old fear about COVID, that illness with the threat risk now to most of the common cold, the same determination to ignore everything we've learned over the last three years. Actors on stage wear masks, and so must we. While more and more of the population wakes up to the lies, obfuscation, fear porn and propaganda around the so-called vaccines, around the green agenda, around gender politics and race politics, the majority of the news media obediently pumps out the same old tosh about safe and effective and climate crisis and preferred pronouns and race baiting. But the fakery has been swiftly and shoddily constructed without the foundation of truth. For that reason, this Potemkin village thrown up around us is flimsy and should be easily demolished if we wish it so. Underneath it all, too quiet for too long, we know the truth of Britain. More of us comprehend every day that beyond a shadow of a doubt our leaders have tried to hoodwink us into believing things that are simply not true. The ultimate Potemkin village is all lies, no truth. The eye-wateringly expensive NHS, costs rising year on year, is no longer a health service for all in any way that matters. I say the green agenda is a fraud, as is the climate crisis that underpins it. The assertion that little boys can grow up to be women and that little girls can grow up to be men are lies. That our government means to protect our borders is a fiction. A parliament in which overmighty, colluding, indistinguishable political parties dictate the law to the people, whether those people like it or not, is a shameful setting aside of the sovereignty of we the people of this country. Parliament is not and was never meant to be sovereign. We the people are sovereign. This is the foundation stone of Magna Carta, sealed in 1215 and as unshakably solid now as it was then. Any attempt to reduce the rights, freedoms and liberties enshrined in that treaty are by definition beyond the power of any parliament. Here's the thing, our sovereignty of, as people was sealed by that treaty of 1215. Parliaments have come and tried to ride roughshod over the people again and again, and those parliaments have gone. One of many attempts to repeal Magna Carta was even made in 1969, while the general public were conveniently distracted by the moon landings. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We see them. We see the fakery that they have raised around us. But our rights are real. Our belief in Britain is real. Isn't it time to see past the shaky stage set thrown up around us as a distraction and to take shelter instead in true Britain, real Britain? So, well said by... All of that is my opinion, of course, and you're free to disagree. Oh. Keep your tweets and emails coming. All <laughs> okay. Through. So well said by Neil there. Um, I have just dropped in the chat to see if Jim West is here. Because Jim West has sent us a Christmas package all the way from the UK. But I don't want to open it if he's not here live. Oh, Because he's almost always here. Jim... So I'm trying to I'm trying to find out if he's here if he's watching on on Rumble or uh, usually he's over there on D Live but I'm not seeing him in the chat so I don't think he's here so I feel like we should wait 
Okay. To open it until he's actually there in the chat. And besides, okay. we're running late on today's show anyway, so I was okay. just thinking might as well give it all the time. Okay. Do I mean this thing came all the way from the UK? Yeah. We got to give it, give it the, the the time it deserves. All right. So thank you. Barry says he's not seeing Jim there on D Live, so that means that he's not there. So um, we're gonna wait. One more. It's it's waited this long, yep. right? I mean, since yep. since Christmas. All right, you guys. Here's the deal. Tomorrow night, where are you gonna be? Pete Santilli, 7 p.m. on Rumble. Time. We will be there with him. We're super excited about that. And then immediately following that, I think it will be live. We will be with LW, Little Liberty Warrior Nation, again on Rumble. I think he's also on Facebook and several other platforms, but for sure on, on Rumble. Um, he was there on our in our chat uh, on Facebook a little bit ago. So um, very, very excited about that. So tomorrow night's going to be a pack night for us. Leah, you've done shows this week. Patriot Gallery has done shows this week. There is a whole host. I did a video on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve. Excuse me. I'm telling you what. One of the best shows. What one really of the best good. words of God that I have gotten in a long time. And then this past week has been so packed. I did that message on New Year's Eve. Then we did Demar Hamlin uh, on Tuesday because that you know and we did the speakers. We did the speakers. We did the Ohio speakers. Patriot Gallery's been putting out videos. You've been putting out videos. So don't tell me you don't have enough resistance chicks content to to last you through. And if you want to keep it coming, you go to mypillow.com. That's right. MyPillow.com. It's coming anyways. No, it is. It, it's going to be coming whether you guys uh, support, support us or not. Support Mike Lindell and Resistance Chicks with promo code RC. Uh, the best night's sleep in the whole wide world. You know what someone told me? I posted that this week. They said, or you could just get an earthing mat. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I, okay. should start selling those. And we should start selling those, but we don't. <laughs> but we do support Mike Lindell and his... Um, his fight for the resistance. Okay, so you can use promo code RC or promo code resistance. Those pillows are literally like putting your head on a cloud. All you have to do is a minor fluff. Like literally, you get into bed, flip the pillow, fluff. I've never felt filling like the filling in the MyPillow pillows. And then you yeah. can, they are designed to be washed and dried. No other pillow is like this. Because they're like little fibrous things. So use promo code RC. Go to my pillow. Last but not least, and I can talk about several different things, but um, oop, that's not what I wanted. Wait for it. Hang on, I got two two ads rolling here. I did today. Can you can you tell? I, I can. did the the mask, the mud mask on my face. Vicky's with the sugar organic scrub body essentials organicbodyessentials.com glowing my face is glowing can you see it oh that's just kind of the lighting it is but it uh, just takes all that grime and oh, stuff it, who knew it was it all is on my your face? it's literally like the satin hands i mean it's just like it's like having a fresh face and then i put on the face lotion that she has on I didn't top do of the it, mask, it just but I did feels the scrub, so good. The scrub today I'm and the um, lotion. Organicbodyessentials.com, promo code RC. They are completely organic. She goes to the nth degree. I, I want to say she takes tricks across True. the Amazon jungles to go and find, but she does actually, to find the best products uh, or the best ingredients for her products. And you're supporting a Christian company. And you're supporting his glory with Dave Scarlett. And you're supporting Resistance Chicks. It's a win, 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 win. Okay, all around win. As my chair just keeps. Smiling. As Leah keeps shrinking down into the into my hydraulic nothing chair is just. Drifting. We looked at new chairs the other day when we were out and about. We didn't. We didn't find any. Right. So, I. 
I love you guys. Uh, to my Catholic Orthodox friends, happy Epiphany two days ago. Yeah. Uh, we I still need to sound like Christmas have, decorations. Uh, decided to celebrate the 12 days of Christmas as well. And <laughs> keep, up keep, Christmas keep Christmas going. It doesn't need to end on December 25th. It shouldn't. We should be celebrating Christ all year long. Yeah. Right? So that goes without saying. All right, you guys. We will be live at some point this week. I don't think we have anything specifically scheduled for this week. Oh, that's not true. We're on with America Unhinged, I think. Again, so tomorrow night we've got Pete Santilli and uh, Liberty Warrior Nation. And then, if you're, are you guys writing this down? Because you should be. We're going to be on with uh, Dr. Alan Keyes, I think. Or is that next week? No, maybe that is next week. All right, so never mind. Just kidding. So that, oh, no, 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 no. That is this week. I'm looking at my calendar here. Yeah, Thursday, Dr. Keys, 2 p.m. And we have a we have a show with the Gibson girls that I'm probably going to air Tuesday. Tuesday night. On Andrew Tate. 7 p.m. This is Christian's literally response to Andrew Tate. The most raw and real that we have ever done with these girls. So raw and real that we didn't air it for a week. We've been sitting on it, waiting on prayer and cover and all kinds of stuff. So that one you're not going to want to miss. It will be aired live, a live premiere, Honestly, Tuesday night. if you want to miss it, that's okay. I think some people need to see it. I say um, if, if, if you know people who are into Andrew Tate or you think that they, if you are, watch it. Otherwise, if you're in, If I you're defending you, this lousy human being. I don't really need you to just destroy your brain cells over this guy you know what we didn't actually do that do all the things that we could have done i know we could, did not air anything really that is nearly as bad as he actually is yes you know so if you are into that saga and you know what's going on definitely definitely tune in but we go into a couple of other different things about you know the degradation of society through sexual promiscuity abuse uh, Where is it God? Immorality. <laughs> it's definitely spiritual and 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 godly and focus on the Holy Spirit and purity and righteousness and all that stuff. And he has a whole army of evil people fighting for him. And so this has to be brought to light. And I hope that we do it in a tactful way. And I think that we do. So, all right, you guys, a lot coming up this week with us on Pete Santilli, Liberty Warrior Nation. We're going to air that on Tuesday. Dr. Keys on Thursday. Back again on Friday for our, our weekly roundup of news. Brideon.tv every Friday, live at 6 p.m. And then immediately following on all of our platforms. Also, we have a P.O. Box. If you want to send us your letters, P.O. Box 107, Milford, Ohio, 45150. If you do send us your letters, we will read them on air. Last but not least, we do have a, a, a Gab Pay that you can donate. If you don't want to use Venmo and you don't want to use PayPal and all of that, you want to support... Um, you can, there it's the, the gabpay.live link is on resistancechicks.com. Go to the website, sign up for emails. Those will be coming out this spring. Emails will be coming back up again. So, all right. We love you guys. God loves you. God bless. And we will see you next time. Wait, it's not going. It's going. i